I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Thursday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. John Schmelk, Paul Dottino with you. The man next to me is Sam Monson from Pro Football Focus. Big show coming your way today, folks. Sam's going to lead us off. We have Jordan Reed from ESPN. We have Robert Mays from the Athletic NFL Show. We have Jim Nagy live, Charles Davis from NFL Network, and then Art Stapleton who covers the Giants for the record. So make sure you stay tuned as we have a supersized episode, hour and a half today, folks, of Big Blue Kickoff Live from the Combine. So stay tuned throughout, and we'll get a lot of great content to you. But we lead off with a friend of the program. I think the first time we had you on, Sam, I think you were still in Ireland, if I'm not yeah, incorrect, right? right? Back yeah. in the day, Sam's been joining us for a very long time. Sam Monson, uh, he's the co-host of the PFF NFL podcast, does writes for PFF.com, everything else. How you doing today, man? How's the indie treating you? Doing good. It's uh, We reached Thursday, though, so we, we reached the point in the uh, in the week where the recovery levels are low. We're just we're grinding <laughs> through. You know, we got you need sugar levels high. We need blood sugar. We need caffeine. We need to keep grinding. Did you dare the uh, free sample of the Elmo no. shrimp this morning? I, so I did not. I don't like horseradish. I, then see, I neither do I. I'm with you on that. If it was, if it was just hot, if it was chilly, I'd be in. But I'm not. I'm horseradish. No, just don't want it. Don't want it. All right. Before we get into specific giant stuff, I'm going to just leave it wide open. First, you've been talking to people. You've been looking at prospects, talking to NFL people all week. One thing that's either struck you as surprising or stuck out to you that you're like, huh. It was definitely worth it to come to the combine. I just figured, I just found this out. I mean, obviously the uh, the, the whole Jalen Carter news breaking yesterday when everybody was here and he was 30 minutes from being on a podium supposedly was pretty wild. And just seeing how you know this whole room kind of reacted to news of that kind of magnitude breaking just out of nowhere was pretty fascinating. And then the biggest crowd of the week was, was the crowd around the podium that he was supposedly going to be at, <laughs> right. but clearly was never going to be right. Just on the off chance that everybody was dumb enough to send him out there in front of cameras after this thing broke. So that was a pretty fun thing. But, um, yeah, generally the week, I, I don't think there's been any kind of massive surprises, but it's always, uh, it's always a good week to kind of get in front of these people and hear what they have to say personally and just get that first, like, introduction 
into who some of these players are and, and even hearing from, you know, GMs and coaches. Now, you guys had Ron Rivera on your show, right, earlier yeah. this week. Mm-hmm. Sam Howell really going to be their starting quarterback? So, Uh-oh. <laughs> he, it sounds like he's willing to give him a chance to win the job. It, it's not quite he is the starter and that's it. It's he's going to have a shot to compete with whoever they bring in. And he was talking about bringing in some veteran options, veteran competitions maybe. So I would imagine they sign a quarterback, some kind of veteran, some guy that they are comfortable with starting if Sam Howell can't be that guy. But I think they're going to give him a shot to to win that job. So, you know, Washington signing a guy like Andy Dalton would make a lot of sense to me, right? Somebody that if they need to, we can pivot to Dalton. He played pretty well last year for the Saints, sort of quietly. Set, another guy, maybe. Yeah, somebody yeah. like that. So a guy that they would be reasonably comfortable with starting if they had to go that route. But they're going to give Howell, I think, a chance to, to win that job. He was talking about how every coordinator candidate they interviewed, he, was, he gave them a little spiel about Sam Howell. And, you know, this is our guy. This is what we think of him. This is what, where he is. And then they, you know, some of these guys had takes on Sam Howell as well. So they're, they're definitely treating it seriously. With the legal issues that popped up this week, Will Anderson is the consensus number one pick overall in the draft. And for a change, the quarterbacks class, which there's some good guys there, this is not the superstar top, top, top notch quarterback class. So how does that affect the dynamic of, of the buzz that's surrounding this draft, at least from, from a, a general perspective? Yeah, it's not like a top quarterback class. There's ne- you know, next year is always what you hear. Like next year is going to be yeah. amazing. But it it is a good quarterback class, mm-hmm. I think. Like it's not like last year where the buzz was there are no quarterbacks worth taking. Like right. you heard from a lot of people last season that I don't like any of these guys. If I've got to pick one of them, maybe it's Kenny Pickett or you know, maybe there was a team going to talk themselves into Malik Willis and this is different than that. Like we we like the four top quarterbacks in this draft class. Each one of them has something that's a little bit scary. Um, and, and that's, I think, what makes the debate around this group really fascinating, that they're very different. Each one's got something to scare teams away or something to attract them. But it's a good, not great quarterback class. Um, and I think because you know Chicago is number one, it's going to be open for business. Like The Bears are going to try and trade away that pick. There's going to be a team that needs a quarterback, or maybe several teams that need quarterbacks, potentially vying to trade up and get their guy. Where do you guys stand on Richardson? Because he's the one that has the biggest debate yeah. where some people just like, I got to have this athlete. And other people are like, wait a minute, there's a lot of red flags. Yeah, and I, th- I think they're both right. I mean, he's got the highest ceiling because he's got the best tools. His arm is incredible. He's got more wow throws than anybody else in this draft class. Um, his his size, his rushing ability, all those things are legit. And We've seen a track record now of guys like Josh Allen and, and you know Patrick Mahomes and these guys that had tools to work with mm-hmm. but had some question marks coming into the draft. They've worked out, a lot of them. And I think that's going to embolden some of these NFL teams thinking we can do what we did to those guys and we can fix some mechanical issues or we can make them work within structure a little bit more. And he does want to be an NFL passing quarterback. Like you can see in his tape, it isn't just – chaos there there is mm-hmm. method to it you can see him malik willis through. was chaos right yes this is not. it's not the same <laughs> yes. right it's very different it's not just like one read and then run and make something else happen he is working through progressions he's trying to be you know a, a pocket passing quarterback but he has the skills where if it breaks down he'll go and do something different and that's that's a much better place to be than the malik willis type of, of play so i think there's a lot to like about his game 
but it's so erratic. It's so inconsistent. He's so inaccurate on a sort of overall basis that that's the thing teams have to figure out. All right, let's stick with quarterbacks. We'll go to Daniel Jones. Uh, And this is why I like looking at PFF's data. You have your composite grade, which I know probably gets the most attention, which probably annoys you guys in some ways because (laughs) because there's more nuance to it than that, right? And, you know, it feels like you guys loved his efficiency, his his Mm -hmm. overall adjusted accuracy. I think he was in the top of your quarterback rankings. But then things like average depth of target was really low and things like that so how did you guys do your overall evaluation of jones's progress this year and and where he is as the giants make the decision on their quarterback this season yeah i think we expected him to take some kind of step forward just because brian dayball coming in the coaching was going to be much better he was going to be in a better situation and he did He, he was better he was more efficient um i think we still would have expected maybe some more big plays in there. Like, remember, this guy got nicknamed Danny Dimes because of these big plays he was making early in his career, and they kind of dried up and haven't really been a feature of his game. Of course, wide receiver is a big part of that, right? He hasn't had the kind of devastating targets that would help unlock that part of his game. You still kind of feel like you would take more chances, though, in an offense that's giving him some better looks and some better plays. Um, But I think he's sort of shown that you can get a lot of good out of Daniel Jones. And presumably there's more to come if you give him a better offensive line and some more weapons to work with. So I think clearly he's shown that he should be the quarterback next year. The question is how? Like what's the sort of structure that should be? Should it be the big giant contract that he wants to be looking for? Probably not. Should it be a franchise tag? Should it be somewhere in the middle where you sort of front load a contract and maybe get build yourself an out after a couple of years if it doesn't work? That, I think, is the question they need to answer. But I think everybody should be aligned on, we saw a lot of good from Daniel Jones. There's probably more to come. Let's, he should be the starter next year, and then let's build some, something around him. Let's assume for a second we, the top receivers in this draft don't get to the Giants at 25. Okay, So they don't use a first-round pick on a receiver. We know there's a secondary level of good receivers in this draft, but if they decided that we were going to fill other holes with the draft and we're going to go for either a veteran free agent receiver or potentially trade for a receiver. Mm -hmm. Is there a guy available out there that would be good enough to be Jones's alpha that would get him to the next level? And would also fit value-wise based on contract size or trade. Well, that always goes without saying. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. If that's what you need, if you need the one superstar receiver you're going to need to go with the trade route, I think, because like the best mm-hmm. receiver in the free agent group is probably Jacoby Myers. And Jacoby Myers is a good receiver. He gets open. He's productive. But he's been like emblematic of the lack of one of those guys in New England for the last few years, right? So he's not going to come in and be that guy for the Giants. Like He could come in and be a, a good part of the, the, the roster. But if you want a number one guy, you're going to have to trade for like a new Hopkins or you're going to have to go right. after somebody like that, maybe a T. Higgins, if you think he can step into that role and if you think the Bengals would be willing to part from him. Um, Brandon Ayuk from the 49ers, I think, is an interesting name that isn't thrown around a lot. The 49ers have got a ton of guys, and they're going to have to pay a lot of them. If somebody came in with a big offer, if, say, if they came in and said, we'll give you a first-round pick for Brandon Ayuk, I think that might that might start some conversations that they're not necessarily thinking about right now. So if you want that number one receiver this uh, offseason, you're not going in the draft, and there might not be one in the draft either, I think you're going to need to to trade to make that happen. I want to talk about the value of running at the quarterback position. How has have you and PFF in general evolved on your view of the value of the running quarterback, how you use it, and how you – put that into your valuation overall of the player at the position 
I think it, it raises the floor of what the offense can do. Um, and when, you, when you're talking about young quarterbacks in particular, I think it's important because it can buy those guys time, right? Like before, if you had a quarterback, it was just, we need you to get to this level. And if you can't get there pretty quickly, we're going to have to start over and go in a different direction. The offense has to be competent. Yeah. Right? yeah. And we need to know you can get there. And, and we don't have time to spend waiting for that to happen because the next guy is going to be available and we're going to have to reboot and start over and, and jobs are on the line. So it was this crazy sort of cycle of let's start with a quarterback, then let's reboot, reboot and we until we find one. Now, if you have a guy that can bring something reasonably special from a running point of view, whether it's a, a Jalen Hurts, whether it's a, you know, Lamar Jackson Justin or Fields. Justin Fields or even, you know, Daniel Jones. Like if you have a guy that can be that productive, it buys you a lot of time because it lets you raise the floor of the offense. And not this last season, but 2021, the Philadelphia Eagles offense was a top 10 offense, I think, in EPA per play because of what Jalen Hurts did on the ground, because he added like a thousand rushing yards and 10 touchdowns or whatever the numbers were that year. And he wasn't very good as a passing quarterback, but it was able to balance out and they were able to have a kind of top 10 offense with that rushing threat. And that meant that he got into this year as the starter. If he didn't have that rushing threat, he probably wouldn't have been the starter this year at all. They would have gone in a different direction. They would have had to do something in the draft maybe or bring in a veteran quarterback. And we wouldn't even be talking about this guy as like the next quarterback for the Eagles. So I think it's a big part of this conversation with Daniel Jones of that is a, a significant part of his game. It's maybe less explainable than Justin Fields and you know Jalen Hurts. It still feels watching him like, I don't know why this works as well as it does, but as long as it does, who cares? Like that's part of his game. And it should be a, a big part of the conversation. Because without that running aspect of his game this year, I mean, are we having these conversations about Daniel Jones right. on the franchise tag even, right? No. He probably had five or six first downs per game. Yeah. More than half of which came on third downs, throwing the rushing ability in the red zone, which is a huge part of what they did. I mean, I'm not going to say it carried their offense, but it was a significant part of their offensive success this year, what he was able to do with his legs on the ground. And I think to your point, it bought them time now to try to put better pieces around yeah. them in the passing game and offensive line-wise. Talk about that to build that pass protection to give them a shot. Yeah, it, it buys you time. And the other thing it does is it buys you um, margin for error in-game. You know, like it, it, overall, it gives you a little bit of time to get better. But it also, within a game, means you can make mistakes. You know, you can miss a throw and get it back by a running first down somewhere. You, can, you, you get sort of time within games and to extend drives and those kinds of things so you're right it's it's been a big part of his game and it is the reason that you i think the the kind of consensus is keep him around let's give him another year with some better supporting cast and see what happens and now the target is let's find him some receivers let's find him some weaponry and let's keep building that offensive line and the sort of big cross your fingers and hope part of that is let's hope that evan neal takes that big step forward in year two you know follows in the andrew thomas footsteps of a guy that really struggled as a rookie and and then kind of consistently got better i need to ask you about saquon barkley mm -hmm. what did the data tell you about his resurgence this year compared to his rookie season when he was sensational and then had to suffer through several years of injury i think this was his career year i think this was the best version of saquon barkley we've seen um it was the most complete version it was the the kind of most conventional, if you like, in terms of didn't necessarily go hell for leather to try and bounce it outside every mm -hmm. play and score a touchdown. Took what was there sometimes, you know, took the, the plays that were hard yards and were just tough, grinded out types of plays and really did elevate, you know, the, the play of the offense. He, he had a huge impact. Um, but 
it's it's a case of how much is that worth and that's always the question with running backs and particularly when you're getting to that second contract and you know do you want to reward Saquon Barkley for the kind of season that he had and sort of almost pat yourself on the back for we took this guy we knew he was a super talent and this is this is it like this was the guy um but I think that's the question mark that personnel guys and GMs and people constructing rosters have to ask themselves is what is that worth because there has to be a line beyond which we don't want to go and I think when you're talking Saquon Barkley when you're talking Josh Jacobs from the Raiders mm-hmm. for certainly with a long-term contract I think they're going to want more than that line and, and maybe a franchise tag is an option but if that's going to Daniel Jones you know the Giants are in the tough spot where one tag potentially two guys we'd want to keep around the Raiders probably have more flexibility there because they can tag Josh Jacobs you know one year 10 point whatever million dollars it is and it's a little bit more palatable all right final one for me Sam we haven't talked much about the Giants' offensive line so far this week. I know you touched it on your last question. You mentioned Evan Neal already, but I know based on what I've heard you and Steve talk about on the PFF NFL podcast, you really think a big key for the Giants' offseason is to improve the inside of the yeah. offensive line. What's the best avenue for that, and how do you view the Giants' offensive line in general through that lens? I, I mean, I think when you have uh, the, that kind of weakness, the best avenue is to keep swinging at it every stage of the way. You know, free agency, the draft, like, hit it everywhere you can hit it the Bengals I think did a really good job of that last year they they kind of did a, a an interesting approach where they they sort of went for tier two free agents but in tier one time you know they went right ahead they did they didn't go we're not, we're not going to mess with the Joe Tooney type of sweepstakes day one big money we're going to go for those guys right out of the gate we're not going to wait until day two we're just going to go get them right now I think the Giants could do that where they don't necessarily get involved in the the heaviest price tag free agent guys but they identify the guys they want the guys that are only going to cost 10 you know maybe 15 million dollars a year and they just go right at them and try and sign them straight away not wait you know for everybody to regroup and figure out who's left and go after them then but bringing in guys like that I'd be really interested to see them um, target a guy like uh, Isaac Sayamalu from the Eagles couple of things number one he's a good player number two <laughs> yeah. it makes the eagles worse like that's that can't be a bad thing um but then yeah keep swinging like free agency is only one part of it the draft is going to have some good offensive linemen as well keep going final quick one for me how much did dexter lawrence blow you guys away because he seemed to blow everybody else away and justifiably so yeah he was amazing i mean he had all, almost uh, the totality of a defensive player of the year kind of season when you look at his pff grades he, I think he finished slightly ahead of Chris Jones in terms of overall mm-hmm. pass rushing grade. He was an absolute monster. It was a weird year because so many of these like young, big interior defensive linemen had career years. And, and it f- almost takes a third year for those yeah. guys to break out, right? And a few of them got hurt and kind of sort of faded away and we didn't we kind of forget about it. But like Jeffrey Simmons was on a defensive player of the year kind of track. Quinn and Williams was as well. Um, Christian Wilkins in Miami, Dexter Lawrence, Chris Jones, like all these guys had incredible years. But he was a, an absolute force for the Giants. I mean, he was one of the biggest reasons they won that playoff game against Minnesota. They just couldn't block him late in the game, exactly like we've seen from Chris Jones in, you know, in Super Bowls and in, in AFC title games. I mean, he was a, a, an absolute dominant force and, yeah, huge for them. Sam, good stuff, my man. No problem. Appreciate Thank it. you, Sam. Sam Austin, PFF NFL Podcast, Pro Football Focus. Go check it out and subscribe. We'll be back with Jordan Reed from ESPN. We'll focus on the defensive backs in this year's draft right after this.
All right, we're back here on Big Blue Kickoff Live at the Combine in Indianapolis. John Schmoke, Paul Dottino with you. It is Thursday. It is media day for defensive backs, cornerbacks, and safeties. And to talk about those positions and others is Jordan Reed, one of the great draft analysts over at ESPN. Jordan, how are you, man? It's good to see you. I'm good. It's like Christmas week for me, so I'm excited to be here at the Combine. Yeah, this is kind of like a kind of big buildup for you know everyone that yeah. does draft for a living like you. You mm -hmm. can see his draft content over at ESPN all year round. You're kind of posting rankings, mock drafts, reaction to college football all week. So as you got here today and went to listen to the safeties and the cornerbacks, mm -hmm. who did you really want to keep your eye on and kind of get some information from that will help you figure out what's going to happen at the end of April? Yeah, it's always interesting to hear these guys talk just because you see these moments that happen during the season and you want to ask about them just because we're not sitting in the film room. We can't go over the film and ask them why they had a positive play here or a negative play here. So that's the biggest thing that you want to learn from these guys. Just what was the why behind those plays? Well, you know, it's interesting to me because uh, a lot of folks have been saying the safeties have been de-emphasized in the mm -hmm. game in recent years. But then again, when you look at the safeties who can do all the things, yeah. play some slot, even mm -hmm. go out on corner every once in a while, all of a sudden those guys seem to be at a premium. So when these guys are coming through the college ranks, what are you now seeing from this next generation of safeties? Are they becoming more versatile out of necessity? Because if they're ever going to make it in the pros, they have to be? Yeah, I think so. Just because you get some guys that have safety and then cornerback crossover, just because the more the better that you can do. And then they're not only playing that, but they're valuable on special teams. Too. Mm -hmm. And I always say, if you play safety or corner, defensive back in general, Go play special team just because the more hats that you can wear, the better. But with how versatile and explosive offenses are becoming now, you have to be able to play safety and cornerback just because these offensive coordinators are so smart to where they can game plan advantageous situations to put safety in cornerback spots or cornerback in safety spots. So if you have the strength of the willingness to be able to play both of those positions, it's only going to benefit you. How did the desired measurables start to change now? Because when you add that versatility, and you want to be able to, okay, I'm going to play in the big nickel, and I'm going to be a pseudo linebacker, and now I'm going to have to cover a slot guy. Maybe I got to go to the boundary. It seems to me some of those standard measurements that everybody used to think were really good are maybe not in play anymore. Yeah, I mean, it just really just depends on the scheme. You have Seattle that likes your bigger, longer type of corners, and then you have some other teams that value those 5'10 or 5'11 guys, and it really just depends on the athleticism, but also the scheme that you're projecting them mm -hmm. in. Yeah, I want to dive into the corners, but first, a question on safeties, because I do think what teams are looking for maybe has shifted, right? Because three, four years ago, everyone was looking for that single high safety when yep. everyone was playing their cover three, they want the center yeah. fielder yep. or cover one that can go sideline to sideline. But now I almost feel like we're seeing teams that want the safety that, all right, you need to cover a 5'9 slot guy that's really quick, he could do that. You want him to be the dime linebacker on third and 12. He can do that. Yeah. So what do you think teams are starting to value more? Is it still that rangy center fielder, or are they looking for that guy that can play in the box, run support, cover the slot guy, and maybe even be a linebacker in dime spots? Well, if you can be what I like to call all of the above player, the better. Right. You're not going to yeah. that type of player. Good luck finding that. <laughs> right. And, you know, those guys that have all that, they're going early in the right. first round. So I think with those types of players, like a Wink Martindale system, you value that cover one free safety just because they're like what I like to call mistake erasers. They let's are, yeah, a, absolutely. Let's say a cornerback gets beat on the boundary to the field. You have that guy that can come over top off of the roof of the defense and erase that mistake. So if you have that rangy guy on the back end, that would be great for your scheme. How many corners do you think are going to go in the first round? 
If I had to guess right now, I think five, five to six. Mm. And I know this class doesn't have a Derek Stingley or a Sauce Gardner, but right. there's a lot of depth, not only in the first round, but all the way through day three in this group. But I think we could see as many as five or six going the first round. Well, and that's why it's funny. People talk about, oh, yeah, the Giants might find really good value at corner at 25. Mm-hmm. But then I sit there and think, well, hold on a second. If five or six are gone by the time you get to 25, which, by the way, is not impossible. Right. Like, that could very well happen. Where do you think the Giants might be at 25? Who should Giant fans start to put little red circles around for guys that realistically could make it to 25 and mm-hmm. would also provide value for them in that spot? Well, just – Keeping cover one in mind, which is a man scheme. Deontay Banks from Maryland is mm-hmm. one that will be a popular name. And I'm sure you guys have been here. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. He's one that I think would fit a Wink Martindale st- style of system to a T just because he's very aggressive. Um, he's so savvy and aware as far as recognizing routes. But I don't only man, he plays zone, too. So he, he's one of those players that we talked about all of the above player. And let's say he doesn't work out a corner. I have full confidence that he could slide back to safety. He's long enough, fine. right? Mm-hmm. He's, he's every bit of six foot two, two hundred and five pounds. So, and then he has what I like to call that junkyard dog mentality too, which yeah, is Wink I think it's that. half the battle. It's half the battle yep. at cornerback. You have to be confident just because wide receivers are so good. Their full their full head their full scheme ahead as far as running right at you right now, and you're backpedaling backwards. So you have to have that confidence and that athleticism. And I think Deontay Banks also. Another is Keely Ringo from Georgia. He's another that I would feel a little more comfortable taking in that 25 to 35 range. So let's say they want to slide back a couple picks. I think Keely Ringo could definitely be in contention as well. Now, we all seem to believe that the Giants could use some depth at corner. After all, everybody could use another corner. I mean, let's not kid ourselves, right? right? Which is why, by the way, six might go in the first round. Okay, (laughs) okay. But let me ask you this. Aaron Robinson, highly thought of a couple of years ago, got hurt. Haven't really got a chance to see him play as much as they'd like. Cordell Flott, last year, got hurt. The staff in the front office, even though it's a new staff in front office, they really like both of these players. Where would they be if you were kind of thinking about prioritizing getting a rookie corner now? Or would you say, you know what? These two guys, they really haven't had a chance to show it. And I think they could get the job done without having to go get a new guy. Right. Well, Flott, I'll start with Flott. He was probably in that third or fourth round range just because a lot of people projected him to be a nickel, which is what he has played predominantly for the Giants. And I think he's he's a really good player. And I think he fits their scheme as far as what Wink wants to do with Mm -hmm. that cover one scheme just because he has, once again, that junkyard dog mentality. He feels as if he's the best player out there when he's out there. So, And then with Aaron Robinson, he's a little bit unproven right now. And I know they spent a day two pick on him a few years ago. So, I think it's just a matter of him just getting more reps. I think that's only going to help him in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned if you don't want to go corner in round one, let's say those top five, mm-hmm. six guys are washed out. Who do you some of the guys you like on day two? I don't think you want to wait till day three on corners. That yeah. can get dicey, right? Oh, yeah. So who would you like? And remember, the Giants, thank goodness for us, because we didn't have to deal with another four or five-win season. Yeah. But, you know, they're picking not 38th in round two. They're picking 56, 57 in round two, right? So who are some of the guys that might be still there that you would like to fit into wing scheme in round two? Darius Rush from South Carolina. He had a great He's, senior bowl, He was man. awesome Ooh. at the senior bowl. And, you know, I got an opportunity to see him play against Tennessee. I was at that game live, and he was very impressive in that game too. And that was the first game where Tennessee really got shut down. And everybody talked about Cam Smith, who was another potential first-round pick. But Darius Rush was very impressive in that game, too. He fits that cover one scheme like Wink wants to run. And then he's another that's long. He's physical. He likes to come up and tackle, too. So Darius Rush is one. And then another 
who was at the Senior Bowl as well, is Tyreek Stevenson from Miami. He's another that fits that cover one scheme too. When you look at some of these corners, um, are you looking at them as strictly, I think this guy's a boundary corner, this guy's a slot corner, or are you prioritizing guys who you think can play both? And that's a really good question. So in college, a lot of times you get guys that don't switch sides at all. Right. So depending on the strength of the formation, sometimes they'll be in the boundary or sometimes they'll be in the field. So with offenses, you can't really switch sides at cornerback just because everybody's no huddle, they're moving so fast. So the great thing about college cornerbacks is that they're getting experience, whether it's to the strength of the field or to the boundary side, which is just the short side of the field. So mm -hmm. I don't necessarily think it's a circumstance of where you're grading them on if they're a boundary corner or a field corner. I think it's where you can get the best of both worlds just because they're getting so much experience. All right, we're gonna have the workout start in a couple hours here, Jordan, which is why we're all here, mm -hmm. right? Who are some of the guys, you can go any position you want, let's branch out here, yeah. that you're really anxious to see, you can throw measurements in there too, how they work out or, or what they're kind of going to show NFL teams this weekend. So, I mean, I'll just stick with cornerbacks Christian Gonzalez, who's probably not going to be there for the Giants. <laughs> unless something crazy happens. That's a reach, right? To, yeah, he's going to run, right? Yeah, yeah. He, he's going he's gonna to blow the doors off the combine. He's going to run probably high 4.3s to low 4.4s. He's going to jump 40-plus in the vert and then exceed. 11 inches in the broad jump too. So I'm really looking to see uh, him. And then Darius Rush, I'm looking forward to seeing how he tests. Tyreek Stevenson, I think he's gonna be really good. Julius Brents from Kansas State, uh, I think he's another that's gonna test really well too. We've had a couple of guys tell us they're kind of curious about what Witherspoon's time's gonna be. Yeah, yeah. And it's not only his time speed, but it's also his size too. And mm -hmm. he's listed at six foot, 180 pounds on the roster. So we'll see what he does come in at weight wise and then also height wise, just because mm -hmm. The interesting thing about this cornerback class is that it's a really big group. Like yeah. there's some corners that are six foot one, six foot two, and even six foot three. There's you mentioned Brent, yeah, Brent's mm -hmm. six, six, six three. three so yeah. mm -hmm. it's a really big group. But he's the one that's a little bit more on the shorter side. But there's some people that have him as a top ranked corner on their board. In general, is there enough run support corners amongst the first three rounds in your mind? Oh yeah, absolutely. All these guys are very aggressive outside of Emmanuel Forbes. He's the one that's a little bit more reluctant as far as the <laughs> tackler, but as far as the guys that are at the top, I think all these guys are physical. All right, let's go real quick before we say goodbye. Uh, skill position, Giant fans are excited to get weapons mm -hmm. around Daniel Jones. At 25, we'll see about a receiver. Yeah. I don't know. Um, <laughs> keep in mind, they have a 5'9 guy in Wanda Robinson. Yeah. That's probably yeah. gonna be the slot guy anyway, which I think makes it a little bit difficult to find the right fit. Mm -hmm. Do you like a wide receiver there? Or would you think about going tight end there instead yeah. to kind of give Mike Kafka his Kelsey with the Giants type of feel? What do you think? So since it's such a deep tight end class, I would kind of wait on You'd that. Wait I don't on think that. they okay. need to take one early. But wide receiver, does a little bit of a drop off after those top two guys. But one player I love for the Giants is Jordan Addison from USC. You I think don't he know gets if he's going to be there. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't know if he's going to be there. but He can I do think, about everything, yeah, right? I, I think he would be I've already given up. I, I, I know what's <laughs> not happening. I know what's don't not get happening. Your hopes up, right? But yeah, Addison would be a really good fit for them if he's there. Do you see Smith and Jigba as a slot only? So his... That's a really good question. His draft stock and his evaluation really reminds me of Justin Jefferson when he was coming out. Because now, a lot of people saying, thought he was a slot guy only too, though, when he came yeah, out. That, yeah, it's a good not, point. Not saying he's going to turn into that type of player, but as far as just his evaluation, it reminds me a lot of when Jefferson was coming out just because LSU had Terrace Marshall and Jamar Chase on the outside. So it's kind of like it was, Olave, Garrett Wilson, it was huh? an embarrassment of riches to where he was stuck playing inside. But that offense was so explosive, he still put up numbers there with – him 
with Smith and Jigba, you have Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, but also Marvin Harrison Jr., who's probably going to be <laughs> right, right. a top five to top ten pick mm -hmm. next year when we're here next year. So it's kind of like he just had to play the slot, and he just made that his territory. So it's kind of – I wouldn't say it's unfair to knock him that he's a slot only, but that's all he was asked to do when he was at Ohio State. Now, quick follow-up on that real quick. I've read a couple of places that people might not think he's going to run this that weekend. Me. Yeah. Because I think there is some – feeling that he might be a high four fives yeah. guy if he does right yeah. and then i think that would kind of i'm hoisting the red flag yeah. for nfl teams now because <laughs> mm -hmm. i think they do if you want to play him outside i think teams want to see that sub four or five speed they right do. yeah and that's what helped jefferson he went out and ran a four 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 that surprised that a lot of people the, yeah, with that too that silenced a lot of questions as far as his outside speed so i think you're spot on as far as a lot of people want his speed questions answered just because on tape he looks like four five five to four five nine guy if i had to guess but NFL teams, they want to see the time. They want to get it timed on their stopwatches just so they can have it officially. I don't know. Ohio State will make the 40-yard dash a little downhill. They'll make it 39. <laughs> yeah, they'll make it 39 <laughs> half yards. It'll be fine. It'll be okay. <laughs> one final one for me, Jordan. And we know how detailed you are. We've had you on many times before. So I'm going to give you a question we haven't asked anybody else in the first several days that we've been here. Who will be the biggest shocker that rises in the first round mm -hmm. and the biggest shocker who everybody thinks is a first-rounder and he's going to fall out? Ooh, you put me on the spot with that. Um, riser in the first round. Um, I think, so this guy was seen as a top 10 to 15 player coming into the year, but after the combine, I think he's gonna shoot back up boys. And it's Keely Ringo. Mm. Just because you have to have a specific scheme for him. You have to have a mixture of man and then also zone coverage. But he was a big time track guy in the Arizona. Yeah. He ran, I think 10-2 or 10-3 in a 100 yard uh, meter. So I think he's gonna run 4-3, he's gonna jump 40 plus, and then he's gonna look really good in the drill so Keely Ringo would be my bet and then you know I'm just gonna stay with Jackson Smith and Jigba as okay. far as somebody that could slide especially if he does everything but the 40-yard dash cool Jordan this was great man I appreciate Absolutely. it great Thank to you. see you, you from ESPN. we'll be back with more Big Blue Kickoff Live live from the combine in Indy right after this getting ready to take on spring make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools from hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Back here on Big Blue Kickoff Live, John Schmunk, Paul Dettino from Indianapolis at the NFL Combine. It is Thursday, and while we're here to learn about draft prospects, free agency comes first. It's kind of a weird dichotomy, and to talk about it on today's show is the great Robert Mays. He's the lead NFL reporter for The Athletic? Uh, no, I'm the host of The Athletic Football Show, I guess is how I would frame myself. We, it's, it's kind of a naughty situation over there. we got a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and, you, and you have a lot of great colleagues. We're going to have Dane Brugler, your draft who, expert who colleague truly on the tomorrow's expert, show. Yes. yes, and he's also, I think he's what, your Wednesday host on The Athletic Football yes, Show? Yes, Prospects Pros runs Wednesday yes. on The Athletic Football Show with him and Andy Staples, and we will have a lot more Dane over the next yes. two months before the draft. So And uh, Lance Zierlein also contributes Lance on Lance is on now too, well. yes. He that, yes. He just joined again now that the offseason is here because He's a less busy man, so we, they do a fantastic job over it's there. It's not Absolutely. possible. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you guys do a great job as well, Robert. So right now, obviously, Giant fans, while they're interested in the draft, they're happy they're picking in the 20s for once instead of picking in the top 10 like they have for most of the last 10 seasons. Uh, and they're worried about free agency with Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. What are you hearing? Um, how do you think this is going to play out over the next 
oh boy, what, five days until the franchise tag deadline shows up uh, early next week? I mean, based on everything Joe Shane has said, it does seem like they are committed to keeping Daniel Jones on the roster, whether it's through a long-term extension or through the franchise tag. So I, I thought at parts of the season, that wasn't necessarily a guarantee. You know, even in the middle of the year when they were outperforming expectations, both team and on Daniel Jones' side, I still thought that there was a chance that ah, maybe they move on. You know, there's, they obviously didn't give him the fifth-year option. They maybe want to upgrade a quarterback. This is the time you're in year two of the new regime. But he played so well down the stretch, and they played so well down the stretch that it feels like some sort of resolution is now on the horizon. What that resolution looks like, I think, ultimately will determine what happens with Saquon because you only get one tag. Yeah, and of course, Joe has already told us that he's not going to be afraid to tag Jones if he has to. Yep. So I think it's pretty much certain that he's going to be here. Now, Barkley, there's a little bit of wiggle room here where we don't know, especially if they've got to use the tag on Jones. We've been asking a lot of folks, and we're getting different opinions here. What is the market for Barkley if they can't re-sign him and they can't tag him, and all of a sudden he starts fielding offers? It's hard to really understand that because there's so many free agent running backs this right. year. So that's going to be determined by, does Josh Jacobs get franchise tagged? What happens with a guy like Miles Sanders? Mm -hmm. It's a huge running back market, and there are a ton of running backs available in the draft. Yeah. Now, we've seen this in the past when – Scarcity starts to creep in at position. The market gets driven up for players. So last year, you have all these guys potentially hitting for agency that get re-signed. Mike Williams, Chris Godwin signs an extension. Right. And obviously, Christian Kirk makes $18 million a year because there are no available free agents at that timing. position. Timing. It's all about timing. It's all about timing. And then last year, you know, you have a couple receivers in the first round of the draft. But after Drake London, Garrett Wilson, and Chris Olave, that starts to dry up a little bit. So the free agent market then becomes even more important. So how does the available players in the draft and what happens with the rest of the free agent running backs impact how many teams need one? Because that's how markets are dictated. Yeah. So if you are Saquon Barkley and you go out into free agency and you're the only free agent running back because of five other factors you can't control, there's a chance you could make more. Right. But he could be sitting there three, four, five days into the free agency period saying, my market is not what I thought it was going to be, is my best spot to come back to the Giants ah, on a slightly smaller deal. That was going to be my hypothetical. Just because he may reach free agency and they don't tag him, that doesn't mean he's not coming back. Absolutely not. Especially, he may not like what he hears on the telephone. And I think that's what you have to do. It's like, well, you know, explore the market and then maybe get back to us. When you're a team mm -hmm. like the Giants, they have so much financial flexibility, they can afford to be patient because they don't have – six million dollars in free agency money earmarked like they had last year right it's not just mark Lewinsky <laughs> and nothing else this season right. like they're going to be able to be patient have a lot more wiggle room and i think that makes an eventuality like that possible yeah yeah so i guess then when you take a look at that free agency flexibility right a lot of it depends on what happens with daniel jones and i think you know you have the 32 million dollar franchise tag which you don't want to do but if you have to you have to but that sucks up let's say they have 50 million in cap space that's you know just do the math. It's over 60% of your room. And it's 32 in cash. I mean, it's just like eventually if the money is real, you have to spend the money, the dollars. Correct. And the other side of that is doing a longer term contract. You lock yourself in for longer. The dollar value is higher, but that first year cap number is probably lower. Mm -hmm. So from a national perspective, understanding what the quarterback market is, we'll see what Derek Carr does. We know what type of contracts have been signed. We know Burrow and Herbert's coming down the pike too, right? Maybe Lamar Jackson will see. What do you think when all is said and done, this Daniel Jones contract is going to look like? It's all, sometimes it's misleading, right? So the Derek Carr contract from last year, I think, is a very good example. I don't remember exactly what the APY was, but I think it landed around $40 million. It was like three for 120, right? Yes. Something like that. Yeah. So that is what the agent and Derek Carr can say. 
But Derek Carr is no longer on the Raiders right. because it's not really a three-year, $120 right. million dollar contract. Right. So I think the best possible solution for the Giants is if you sign Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones to a long-term extension, you need flexibility, I think, even after this season. Because having that sort of quarterback, I was talking to a head coach about this yesterday, this idea of these quarterbacks who are the, let's say, 10th to 16th best quarterback in the league. The middle class. Being, yes, yeah. the quarterback middle class. And by the way, there are no middle class contracts. That's so the that, problem. So that's the problem. Right. So mm -hmm. I think that if you're paying those players elite money, you can do that, but it has to be short term. Because I think it has to be a middle ground option where it's a stepping stone to something else. So if you're the Giants, you're a playoff team, so many good vibes about where you were and what you're building, it's really difficult to intentionally take a step back from that. And I think that's why Joe Shane is incentivized to bring him back. Right. But I also think you have to understand, if you're looking at teams winning Super Bowls, they have quarterbacks on rookie contracts or they have top five players at the position. Yeah. So you have to make sure that even if you commit to Daniel Jones for a year or if it's a three-year contract, you're not cutting off avenues to get a player from one of those two pools. And that's where my mindset would be if I were the Giants. Which is kind of what the Eagles did with Wentz and Hurts in a lot of ways, right? Even though they did sign Wentz to that long-term contract, they still drafted Jalen Hurts and they were able to get off of Wentz if they had to. I'm, the money, let's, let's play that hypothetically. Let's say it ends up becoming $45 million a year and... $60 million of that is guaranteed. For three years, $45 million brings you three one thirty-five with like two-thirds of that guaranteed maybe. Mm -hmm. Is a, most of those guarantees into year one with some of them into year two. Where with the signing bonus, right? Yeah, yeah so, so theoretically, can you take on a dead money hit in year two if you wanted to move on? Or do you put yourself in a position where Daniel Jones will be the starting quarterback next year, but we will draft someone that guy waits a year, whatever it looks like. I just think that if you sign him to a multi-year deal, you still have to be thinking about what the next option is. And I have to imagine they will be doing that. I want to ask you about the division because we almost saw the entire NFC East make the playoffs this year. Mm -hmm. Washington fell short. <laughs> I won't cry about that. And they came close though. But they, they fell short. They always say, win your division because that's the best way to get to the playoffs. Yeah. And we all know the Giants have had a lot of trouble with the Eagles for a long time. And this team now not only went to the Super Bowl, but let's face it, they, they pretty much handled the Giants rather easily this year. So if the Giants are going to get to that bar, um, obviously they'll still have to compete with the Cowboys. And we really don't know what Washington is right now. Assess this division for me as the status is right now and going into the 23 season from I mean, what the you can feel. are obviously in a really good position, right? I mean, they still have a quarterback on a rookie contract. He'll get paid eventually, but they still have that flexibility right, right now. They have a lot of important guys hitting free agency. Sure. So what the Eagles roster ends up looking like, I think, is a big question. But the building blocks are obviously there. Mm -hmm. AJ Brown is going to be there for a while. The offensive line. We'll see what happens with Jason Kelsey. But for the most part, those are pillars that are going to be around. Yes. They have defense players. Son Reddick is going to be there. So I do think that they're in a really, really good position. They're going to be a contender in the NFC for probably the next couple seasons. Right. The, the Cowboys are in a fascinating spot because now there's a lot of urgency with Mike McCarthy. He was talking yesterday about I'm seeing plays in my sleep and I'm back in that mode where I'm calling plays. It's on him now. If that offense oh, everything's sputters down now. the stretch, oh, yeah. because it's easy to get to the end of the last season and say, oh, it was a little bit disappointing. We're going to move on from Kellen Moore. Now, if you're the play caller, you're at the center of all of this. Mm -hmm. So if they end up falling short again, could we see changes there? I think there's a lot of urgency in Dallas. In Philly, they're playing with house money. They just went to the Super Bowl very right. young. Washington, I truly don't know. I, I, do, I don't <laughs> understand. There's so many teams where you look at the moves that they make and I can ascribe motivation to them. 
I understand why you would want to do this because you're trying to accomplish X. With Washington, I can't do that. I don't know who's going to own the team. Well, I don't yeah. know if they're if Ron Rivera is on the hot seat, if they wouldn't fire a coach because there's going to be an ownership change, if they wouldn't go out and spend a bunch of money because they're trying to cut costs. Is Sam Howell going to be the quarterback? Mm-hmm. Does that make any sense? Why would they franchise tag Deron Payne if they're not a contender and they don't have that much? I don't know. I, they're, to me, they are the hardest team in the NFL to figure out because there are just so many complicating factors that we don't have real insight into. Well, and even with Dallas, they've got cap issues. Yes. So that's got to sort itself out before you can even decide what McCarthy has to use. I assume that they will just extend Dak and they will create some money that way mm-hmm. because it's it makes the most sense. Like He's the type of quarterback where he's right on the line of is he worth paying that amount of money. But if that's if you have to commit to him longer term in order to build a better team around him, I think that ultimately is something they could land on because his base salary this year is astronomical. I mean, if they want to borrow from it, that's something they could easily do. When you look at the NFC, to me, I mean, this isn't the AFC where you have Joe Burrow running around, Justin Herbert running around, Josh Allen running around, then Patrick Mahomes running around. It's crazy. I mean, <laughs> you look at the NFC and really, like, logically – it's either Dak Prescott or Jalen Hurts are probably the two best quarterbacks yeah. in the whole conference, yes. right? And I think you can make a debate. Are those guys the top eight guys right now in the league? I think probably one of them is, but maybe not both. So it just seems like the NFC right now is such a wide-open conference that you're going to see teams probably be a little bit more aggressive to try to make that move to compete just because you don't see those Mahomes and Josh Allen's waiting for you at the end of the line, right? I think that's probably fair. And beyond who's the best quarterback in the conference, I think if you looked at the 16 teams in the NFC, I don't know if you could find three or four teams where you can make a definitive determination that their quarterback today is going to be their quarterback two years from now. Go through every single team. Justin Fields, Aaron Rodgers, uh, Detroit with Jared Goff, the Vikings with Kirk Cousins. I mean, you can go through the entire— Geno Smith with the Seahawks. The NFC South, there isn't a single quarterback (laughs) in the NFC South right now that probably will start week one for their team. Hmm. Desmond Ritter, Jameis Winston— Matt Corral. I mean, it, it's, it is a very weird situation. <laughs> right? So I think that you are going to see teams look at that as an opportunity because it's about the starkest contrast you could possibly have to what the AFC is where you have seven, eight guys under the age of 27 who are going to be with their teams for a really long time. Uh, in recent days, we've heard a lot about Jalen Ramsey potentially being traded or wind up having to get cut. Uh, from your perspective and talking to folks around the league, who are some of the other biggest names that may be set free or that may be changing uniforms it's, via trade? It's a great question because Keenan Allen seemed to be one of those potential options. The Chargers multiple times this week publicly, privately have said that he's going to be on the roster next year. I look at Tampa and I wonder how they're going to save money. So they've got a lot of bloated contracts. They pushed all their chips into the middle, understandably so, with where they were at their team building Tom process. Brady, of course, but, yeah. I mean, there's something like $20, $30 million over the cap mm-hmm. without a lot of obvious levers to pull. I've heard Mike Evans whisper so that, around. So that would bit. be, if I, this, the way that I think about this is, if I were an NFL GM, I live in Chicago. The Bears have a lot of assets. They have a lot of cap space. If I were Ryan Poles and I had a hole at receiver, I'd call the Bucks. I'd see what does it take to get Mike Evans here because when you have cap space, you can't spend it all in free agency. You don't want to spend it all in free agency. Or should you? Right. Because those players that are available are typically not worth the price tag they're going to command. One of the things that you can really wield and weaponize when you have that space is you can absorb contracts. 
And I think that the old Brock Osweiler trade, and, right? And well, the, speaking of the Browns, I mean, the one wow. I keep coming back to is the Amari Cooper deal from last year. Great right? point. Yeah. So Amari Cooper is worth much more than a fifth round pick. The only reason he gets traded for a fifth round pick is it's a salary dump from Dallas. So if you can kind of approximate whatever that deal looks like this year, this year's version of Amari Cooper, be it at receiver or some other position, those are the ways I'd be thinking if I were the Falcons, the Giants, the Bears, these teams that have $60 million in cap space with nowhere to put it. Right. Yeah, so I guess I'm going to follow up then. What do you think the best avenue is for the Giants to find that number one, number one wide receiver to the put alpha. with Daniel Jones, right? They've Wanda Robinson, who's your little slot guy, Isaiah Hodgins, possession outside, bigger guy. But they need that one. If you really want to find out what Daniel Jones is and can be, you know, Kirk Cousins got Justin Jefferson, and you saw what yeah. he could be, right? You need to get that type of guy for Jones. I don't think a guy like that's going to be available with the 25th pick in the draft. Maybe it will be. I don't know. But you don't see these guys even reach for agency. You know, the Packers traded Devontae Adams before he got there. The Chiefs traded Tyreek Hill before he got there. So how do the Giants eventually find that guy? Are they going to have to trade draft capital, or can it maybe be the road you just talked about? I I hate doing this because it feels reductive, but I always tend to with the Giants. Let's look at what the Bills did when Joe Shane was there. Okay, so... In year two of Josh Allen's tenure there, they go out and they sign John Brown and Cole Beasley. John Brown and Cole Beasley are not number one receivers, but in their minds, it's can we get some archetypes of certain things at the position? You Fast guys that can get open. Quick twist slot guy, and then John yep. Brown is a vertical stretch guy. So we have these real specific skill sets where we're building our receiver room. And in when I remember talking to Brandon Bean about it in real time, he said, how many number one guys are there really? And I think that they weren't necessarily they didn't want to overextend themselves to overpay for somebody they didn't think was that guy. They, Especially that early in their process, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you can take it in multiple steps. So I think what they did is they built the receiver room slowly, and then when the opportunity was there to go trade for Stephon Diggs, they did. And I think that the Giants should take a similar approach. Like It doesn't have to be microwaved in one year. You had the, One of the benefits to having a season like the Giants had is you build up so much equity in the building. With yeah. ownership, you can they, they afford you the right to be patient. You can build things at your own pace because you have proof of concept for what your regime looks like. So I don't think you have to look at this offseason for the Giants and say, we have 10 problems. We have to solve all 10 problems. I think you do it at a pace that makes sense where you're not acting out of an urgency that isn't necessary. All right, one final one for me, and this is not necessarily Giants related, but I've got to ask it because of the value of the guy's name. Odell Beckham Jr. Mm. How will this soap opera finally play out? Because at the end of last season, you saw those headlines everywhere. It's a great question because we just talked about how many avenues are there to add receivers. There aren't that many. No. So even if you have concerns about his durability, his age, it still feels like a team that really has a hole at that spot is going to take a dice roll on him because you need those playmakers. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have other ways to accrue one, is he one that makes sense? Because you don't have to trade anything for him. He's available in a very down free agent class. So if he's healthy, I assume he gets a shot. I just don't know where it's going to end up being. Robert, this is great, man. Thank Absolutely. you so much. Absolutely. Really appreciate Thanks for being the time, with us, man. guys. The Athletic Football Show. Make sure you go find it on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe. And go subscribe to The Athletic. They really have great football coverage and coverage of all sports all year round. We'll be back with more on Big Blue Kickoff Live right after this. 
All right, we're back here at the Senior Bowl in Indianapolis. Actually, this is the combine. I'm sorry, but <laughs> I like see, I, I have the Senior Bowl wow. on my mind here because right next to me wow. is Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Senior Bowl. I like it. I like it. <laughs> Time warp. And, and, and we were going to talk about his, his guys that were at the Senior Bowl that are now here at the NFL Combine. He mentioned it feels like Groundhog's Day out here. That's that's what happens when you start saying things <laughs> like that. Jim, good to see you, man. How are good you? Good to see you guys. Thanks for having me back on. No, All right. Well, let's let's start there. Who are some of the, the guys that you had at the Senior Bowl that you think are going to show up here and make a name for themselves again when they test at the NFL Combine. Oh, jeez. Um, where do you want to start? What position? You um, tell me, man. No, there's, 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 a lot, there's a lot of guys. I mean, you know, the nice thing for us is having that Zebra technology data that all the 32 teams use in your mm -hmm. facilities. Um, so you can look at some of the time stuff. Our, our, our fastest player this year was Darius Rush, a corner from South Carolina, who going into the week, was a, there was a little bit of a speed concern with Darius. And I'll say this, like as scouts, like that's such a lazy cop out for scouts. We always do it like big corner. Can he run? Um, and he, you know, he, he busted that. I think it was 21 six on the, on the miles per hour. So I think he'll test really well. I think, you know, today we've got the, the, the D line and the linebackers up. I look for a couple guys out of that group uh, at a Tamawa at a bar. I'm, I'm still really struggling good. with it. Yeah. Northwestern. Just go Tommy. Uh, Just Tommy. Go Tommy. Yeah. Okay. That's what I called him during the week. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so if, if he hits the marks that uh, that he hit on Bruce Feldman's freaks list that were reported to Bruce by the Northwestern training staff, right. like he will have the top mark in every every category compared to last year's DT class. So that would be big. Um, and then Ivan Pace today, the linebacker from Cincinnati, who um, I personally, I'll raise my hand on this one, like I questioned speed a little bit, thought he was like four, five, four, six, just guy. He's like our fifth or sixth fastest guy at the entire senior bowl this year, like faster than the corners and stuff. So he might, based off the times and looking how it projects, he might run a four three. So we'll see. We'll see how we'll see how it goes. But uh, the zebra stuff kind of leads us to the combine and and who might show out here. You know, so many of these guys keep opting out of certain events, Jim, and yep. some guys not not even come. Yep. I mean, it happens. Yep. So, you know, how much more important is an event like yours, Senior Bowl and Senior Bowl Week, when you consider, you know, even even you have some guys maybe not make it, but you have more participation in some instances in some positions than they do here. Yeah, it's gotten the last couple of years we on the pro day circuit, we still I still try to get out to some pro days and it's become like the a la carte workout. Like guys are just kind of picking and choosing. Oh, well, I'm, I'm good at the broad jump. I'm going to broad jump. I'm not good at the mm. three cone. I'm not going to do the three cone. So it's... Uh, I don't love the trend, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, I like seeing guys that want to go to get out there and do everything as the, as the league does too. I mean, but it's going to take the 32 teams to kind of dig in and be like, you know what, this guy didn't complete everything. He didn't, and, and have those guys somehow get dinged in the process by it. Other than that, I don't, I don't know how we reverse that trend. But yeah, I mean, the difference with the Senior Bowl is the guys, it's real football. Yeah, and, and that's what I try to hammer on. It's your last time to play real football. And again, just talk, drawing it back to the teams I worked for and my personal experience, like when I made mistakes, when the teams I worked for made mistakes. A lot of times is we overvalue the shorts and t-shirts part of it. Um, and, and you just need to keep what this event should do is really bring you back to the tape. And I think you're hearing that a lot from GMs now mm -hmm. is that, okay, some, something that, that pops here makes us go back and re, re check our eyes. Cross check. Cross check. So yeah, but yeah, I'm with you. Like the whole guys opting out of stuff, like not a, not a good trend. Yeah, for sure. How likely is it? We heard the, the Samora Smith talk about, you know, from the players union folks, if you don't know that, talk about potentially, hey, combine, maybe not a good thing at all. Maybe we should just do away with it. I mean, what's the possibility of that? What are the odds? Remember, though, prospects, not part of the players' union yet, so he doesn't really have much impact This on is that, true. Right? right. I mean, I'll say this. like, If, if you pull the 32 clubs here, they want this event here. They want it in Indy. 
Uh, I think everyone loves it here in Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. Jeff Foster from National Football Scouting does an unbelievable job for his role in the football landscape. Like Jeff doesn't get enough credit for the job he does pulling this whole thing together. The city of Indianapolis does an incredible job hosting this event. Yeah, we love it. This is this is the right place for the event. And, and again, the 32 clubs. This is this is the perfect spot for them. I, I don't know why we're trying to tinker with it. This is a great event. I know they've talked about more like regional combines. I mean. I, I don't see the value in that. I really yeah. don't. I mean, I, I like this event and then going on this on the individual schools, campuses and doing their pro days. Mm -hmm. All right. So you're the executive director of the Senior Bowl, but your background is in scouting. And you mentioned when your teams had made mistakes, it was overvaluing the shorts and T-shirt stuff. So what is the most valuable thing then for you as a former scout? That you get out of the NFL Combine. I think if I think if you talk to most teams, they would say the medical component because, right? I mean, this this is the first time they're really getting their hands on these guys, and that's that's really important. I mean, you, you hear a lot about guys getting poked and prodded. Well, that's that's part of it. I mean, they're being hired to do a physical demanding sport, right? right. Like we got to know what shape their bodies are in. So that's a big part of it. I think the interview process. Um, is, is, is good. You know, I mean, they get it at all-star games. They get it again at pro day and 30 visits. So that's a process. You know, this isn't the only place you can talk to players. And then the, you know, the, the physical testing stuff is important because it gives you benchmarks. I mean, there are, I mean, that's where analytics comes in. I mean, you, you want to see guys hit certain thresholds in certain events and a lot of teams have their own set of standards and, and you want to see those guys hit. So it's, it's all important, but I, if you want to pick one thing, it's probably, it's probably still the medical. It's interesting, Joe Shane told us that there was never any doubt that Brian Dable and his staff, because they are so much in lockstep, they were going to be here. Not every NFL team sends all their staff or sends their head coaches. What's your take on that from being a whole part of that personnel community? And I'll say this, they, they, they bring all their guys to Mobile too. I mean, Dabes was, Dabes was in Mobile mm -hmm. every day and at practice, and, and again, they are in lockstep. I mean, a lot you hear a lot of general manager, head coach combos talk about, oh yeah, we're on the same page, and then... When you're inside the league, you hear it's stuff, and you're like, "No, they're really not." But <laughs> but, but but Joe and Joe and Joe and uh, and Dave's are are truly on the same page. And again, when you think about it, um, like I can't believe not every single head coach would take the three days, at least three days, to come to Mobile and watch those three three days of practice. I mean, you see Mike right. Tomlin every year; he's up in those one-on-one -on -one drills. Oh yeah, I mean, he's watching facial expression, body language. You know, three days is all you're asking. And again, same thing with this event, like. You're talking about four or five days of workouts. Like you can't. Like there's more. FaceTime there's with over more, 100 players. There's it's more crazy. pressing issues right now than being here in front of these players. I, I personally, that philosophy, I don't, I don't understand. It. Right. Now I'm with you. I want to go back to a player that you mentioned in your first answer, Adabari, the, mm -hmm. the big defensive, or I shouldn't say big, maybe not so big defensive tackle at a Northwestern. For me, I thought he was the most impressive interior defensive lineman that was in Mobile. And I wonder from a scouting perspective, you know, you know people always worry about oh, defensive lineman height. The way I look at it now, though, Jim, I almost think it's an advantage because it gives you natural leverage inside. So especially for a guy like him who might be short, but he's got long arms. Like, yeah, that's what's really the drawback of, of being shorter? No, that's the key. I mean, the, the short thing is if you have proportionate length, like if you've got stubbier arms, he's only six one and a half. But he's got 34-inch arms and an over an 82 wingspan. So, yeah, you talk about natural leverage. He's got natural pad level, and then he's got this crazy extension off of it. So that's a really cool defensive tackle body type. And I thought he had a great week. I thought uh, there was a couple guys, but I thought uh, Keanu Benton from Wisconsin he was very good too. had a really good – I mean, he showed things – as a three technique, he only played a nose. He played a zero and a one technique at Wisconsin, and we played him a lot at three technique, and I thought he kind of looked like a different guy. 
I want to ask you a question that refers back to what Joe Shane told us uh, the other day. Inside linebackers and interior defensive linemen becoming harder to find. Mm -hmm. He said those things would begin slim and slim and slim. You grab players for senior bowl week because the NFL teams want to see these guys. Mm -hmm. Why are those two positions becoming thin these days? That's a really good question. I think we're in the middle of, we're, you know, I think what the league's looking for at inside backer is really changing. And it's probably been over the last five years now. I mean, we're getting smaller and more athletic to stay on the, so those guys can stay on the field and not be a mismatch problem in the past game. So you're, you're seeing, so there's a little bit of a shift what teams are trying to identify and, and play with. Um, and the defensive tackle thing, those guys are just hard to find, period. I don't know if that's a new thing. Um, Again, there's there's two there's two types of interior guys. There's the big body guys mm -hmm. that can just hold the point, you know, take up blockers, and then there's the you know the Atabaros, the guys that can get upfield and be disruptive, and that's that. There's always been that way, but it goes back to the they don't grow on trees factor, and uh, <laughs> that's what we used to see. I mean, that was kind of a common line we used when I was in New England. So I'm sure Dayball's brought that with him. But like, there's just certain there's certain guys that certain body types, certain positions don't grow on trees, and. And inside interior defensive linemen are impactful ones are yeah. really hard to find. Yeah, and they can the rush to the inside now is just as valuable, if not more valuable, than the edge rush too to get you know pressure in the quarterback's face. Get pressure in the quarterback's face. And if you and if you're if you're going with smaller guys at linebacker, then you need bigger guys up front right. to protect them. Correct. So it's just everything's kind of going hand in hand. But but Joe's right. I mean those those guys in those inside spots are are tough to find. Mm -hmm. What's your overall thoughts on on the class here, Jim? Giants. Thank goodness are not picking the top ten this year. They had a better year. They won a playoff game. They're picking twenty fifth. Yeah. Where do you see value in this class in that back end of the first round? Then even when the Giants have to pick now at the back end of the second round, where maybe you're out of even that second tier of guys when you get through the class. I think uh, I would start at the running back spot. I think there's good depth there and mm -hmm. good value there. Um, because that position's been pushed a little bit anyway, just over the last years, everyone's kind sure. of devaluing that. So you're getting good. You're getting good. I mean, last year we had Damian Pierce in the Senior Bowl. He goes to the Houston Texans, and he had like 900 yards through. Right. Uh, you know, and he missed a few games. He almost had a thousand yards easily on a on a team that struggled. Um, so running back, I would say offensive line. I think we had five or six guys in Mobile that could be first round picks. I'm not saying they all will, but I think there's five or six guys that are, are worthy of that that will be in that conversation, especially on the on the. There's some interior guys that I think could come in and, and help the Giants right away, uh, like Osiris Torrance from Florida. He might be gone by 25, but Cody Mock from North Dakota State is I think the only guy in this class that can play all five spots. Mm -hmm. um, he'd never played anything but left tackle at North Dakota State, and he played all over the front, including center. When do you think Avila's going to go at a TCU? I think he's another guy that was in that mix, somewhere in that late one to mid two. I think all, all those guys, they're all going to be gone in the top 50. I mean, we saw a bad offensive line play across the league this year. So Everyone needs it. I them. truly feel like those guys might get pushed up because of the need across the league. So I think often in tight ends pretty deep this year. If you need a tight end, I know mm -hmm. you got Bellinger last year, and Daniel was a really good find for that for mm -hmm. your football team. Um, but if they if they wanted to add one there, this is a good year to, to add a tight end. We, we've heard some people say there could be as many as 20 corners in the first three rounds. And that's another corner. And especially really some too. of the larger corners, too. Yeah. Bigger bigger six footers and up yeah we so we you know that was one position group that that performed better in mobile than i thought there's a lot of guys that outperformed even my expectations and that happens every year and i'm always excited to see it um did we brought up darius rush that's one of them um you know six two 200 pound guy with 33 inch mm -hmm. arms kind of prototype anthony johnson from virginia was another big corner that ran well and played well uh julius brents from kansas state had a phenomenal week he was very fluid for a six fluid three guy, for man. a six cool. three and change and, and he's got the longest wingspan of any corner on record since we've been doing that wingspan measurement about 15 years ago 
So he's a guy that really played his way up. I think he's in that you know second round range too. So Stanford yeah, corner played well. Caillou yeah. Blue Kelly was another guy, and I know there's a bunch of juniors mm-hmm. in the class too. So yeah, I mean there's you're going to get starters in that that top hundred. I could see I could see twenty guys going in the top mm-hmm. hundred because that's a premium premium position. You're looking free agency. Those guys are getting paid. So you're trying to find yeah. guys in the draft that end up getting paid. That's why everyone's jumping on wideouts now because those guys are getting paid. So <laughs> rookie contracts. Yep. You're looking at the rookie contracts thing. So yeah, there's a this is a really good corner class as well. That's a good point. I wanted to give you a chance, Jim. I know you're very excited to see Daniel having the success that he has, former senior bowl MVP. Absolutely. Uh, and I know it doesn't surprise you either, right? No, I mean again, I'm not I don't play I don't like playing, you know, told you so or anything like that. But I've always been a big believer in Daniel and, and again I think it's pretty conventional knowledge you need to support these guys you need to surround them I, th- I think uh, Brian Dayball did a phenomenal job with with uh, with Daniel this year and I'm just happy for him and he works so hard and you guys have seen it week in and week out how tough is that guy I mean he just mm-hmm. takes a beating mm-hmm. he's kind of you know though he didn't carry himself like a like a Jim McMahon type tough guy but man that dude is tough so to see him kind of weather those first three years and get to this point where it looks like he's it's going to pay off for him and, and now you've got a really good GM that's going to put some pieces around him um, I'm excited for Daniel. Just before we started, you mentioned Davis Webb also, who was another Senior Bowl MVP. Yeah. And now he goes into the coaching ranks. And it's funny because I guess ever since we've known him here with the Giants, and maybe he showed these traits when he was at the Senior Bowl, he's got the coach's mentality. His dad was a coach, yep. and he's always got the wheels turning. He's on the fast track, man. I mean, you can, I mean, that's a pretty unique thing that you could still be making a player's salary and playing football and you choose to you know, go to the other side. That's pretty unique. <laughs> Uh, and, and I wasn't at the Senior Bowl at the time when Davis played. I think it was two years after he came and played. Mm-hmm. But I do remember distinctly, and I talked to Davis last night about it. He came to Mobile two or three days early, like put himself up in a hotel, paid for it. Maybe his agent <laughs> wow, paid for it. I don't know. But wow. he just wanted to get the lay of the land. He wanted to throw where he was going to be throwing. He wanted to get the feel of the city. Like I'm no, we, In my five years of the game, we've never had anyone even think about or talk about doing that. Right. So when you talk about attention to detail, preparation, yeah. like putting thought into the job, I mean, that's what those are qualities that make a good coach. So um, Davis has all that stuff. Special guy. Special guy. Yeah, he could be on that kind of Kellen Moore fast track, I think, who yeah. kind of did the same thing, right? He was a backup, and then all of a sudden went to coaching, and he kind of yep. elevated real quick. Final question. Yep. Hendon Hooker, a guy that was – at the Senior Bowl, but mm-hmm. obviously because of the injury, he couldn't play. Right. What was the feedback you got from NFL teams as you talked to him for where he might go here? Because it was terrible to see him get hurt late in the year. He's having such a good season now. Yeah. It's in a very collegiate offense. It's not an NFL offense, obviously, but he has the tools. So what have you heard about Hendon Hooker, where he might go, and how teams view him as a developmental quarterback? Yeah, he he was one of two guys. We had two guys that had day, senior quarterbacks that had day three grades for our staff going into the fall. And two guys broke into that day two range for us, and it was Hendon Hooker and Bo Nix at Oregon. Now Bo mm-hmm. went back to school. He had a great year. Um, but, yeah, I thought Hendon worked his way up into that second-round range. And I think, it, first of all, the feedback from interviews was great. Um, watching him behind the scenes and in the meeting rooms, I sat in a quarterback meeting one day. And uh, just to see him attached and pick – he was trying to learn just like the other quarterbacks, even though he wasn't going out there to execute anything. But he's just – he's a genuine – he's a really genuine person. And I think that comes across when you meet him. I think he's winning teams over with – just his genuineness. Um, and then I think the, the deeper some of these GMs are getting into some of the other quarterbacks, and then they get to Hendon, and they're like, well, wait a minute. Now we're all talking about 
some of these other guys as first round picks. This Hendon Hooker's tape is pretty darn good. Why aren't we talking about him up there? So I think I think that's what's happening a little bit. So it'll be interesting. You know, he's got the injury. You know, he's 25 years old. I don't think that's a big deal at all. I think that all these guys are playing later in their careers. So what's a couple years on the front end if you're playing later on the back end? I don't think that's a big deal at all. So I'm excited for him, man. And where he's going to go, I don't know. Um, it would be really cool if he, he, despite the injury, he stays somewhere in that in that second round range. Would be awesome. All right, before we go, anything with the Senior Bowl you want to get out there? Stuff that you're doing? Anything you want to promote, Jim? Um, no, it's just a constant process, man. We can't, <laughs> everyone's asking me, did you have a successful year? And I say, well, we'll know in April. We'll know at the end. Like, <laughs> I measure it all on our draft picks, so we'll see when that comes out. But it was a great year. I, I really appreciate the NFL coming down. Joe and, and Dave's they, they support what we do a lot. Um, guys on their staff, I mean, they do a great job scouting. So, now we just appreciate the Giants coming down and, and you appreciate you guys like having me on and helping promote the game. It's great. Hey, we hope to have you again before the draft, Jim. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Excellent, guys. Jim. Good night. Always good From to the see Senior you. Bowl, we'll be back with Charles Davis from NFL Network right after this. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. All right, we're back here on Big Blue Kickoff Live from the Combine, and we're joined by the one and only Charles Davis. You can find them on all the coverage of the Combine on NFL Network. Uh, the events on the field start on Thursday throughout the weekend. He's also on the number two crew over at CBS. Charles, John Schmuck, Paul Dettino, by the way. How yes, are you, pal? I'm doing great. It's so good to see you guys again. You I too. mean, this is so much fun because when I come in to do a Giants game, and last year, how lucky did we get? You know, the AFC, NFC, normally. Now, I hear that next year with the new TV contract, there's going to be a lot less of that, be a lot more crossover. So I hope that continues to keep us in wow. the mix. But I think we got to see you twice, twice yeah. in yeah. New York. Yes, you did. And we would see each other because Old you were time. getting ready to go out and do a ball game. <laughs> yep. And so you you were over there grinding, trying to get ready for your ball game before you came back for giant stuff. And I'd see you over there. Well, you were just eating all the time. You weren't doing a whole lot, Sean. No, I'm just kidding. First of all, I'm just kidding because that was this me. is the guy that was that me stuffing my face. The cafeteria the whole yeah, day. Yeah, they would, they they would ask, they'd say, "Hey, do you want to you know sit?" And I was like, "No, no, the cafeteria is fine." Because I was stuffing my face like ninety going. They have a good lunch. Oh, they there, got a good they? spread. Whoever's in charge of the dining hall in the New York Giants facility. I love you. All right. And clearly, no one here has been shy about attacking the spread in the Giants facility. It clearly. is the greatest spread going. All right, Charles. So we always have Charles on closer to the draft. We're really digging into the Giants stuff then with him on the Giants huddle. So for today, Charles, as you head into this yeah. combine, what are the things for you that you think are going to be the most important that we're going to walk away from this combine and saying, all right, we have significantly more information and we know more how X, Y, or Z is going to go come draft day? Well, we got the news earlier about Jalen Carter at Georgia. Right. We're not going to have any information or news or anything that's going to come to a conclusion until we get closer to the draft. Correct. All right. We know that. Horrific circumstances. Two people have lost their lives, and now those families are going to have to relive all of that as more and more information comes out. That's where my focus is on that. Second thing, quarterback situation, starting with Bryce Young. This is Thursday Excuse me, this is Wednesday, right? Uh, yes, this is Wednesday. This is recording believe, on Wednesday. We're airing this Thursday. Okay, just I believe on Thursday is when the quarterbacks come through for height, weight, measurements, all that. When we find out what Bryce Young weighs, 
and height mm-hmm. is going to be a big day because mm-hmm. you guys have been here how many times now, right? Well, let's not count because that that date. <laughs> and by the way, almost weight's more important for him than height. Weight right? is going to be more important. Got to be sturdy. But, but 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 I'm taking us back. You remember when we were all waiting with bated breath for Kyler Murray's <gasps> height, and I think he measured over five ten, and everybody went, "Okay, we're good, right?" Because the, the rumor was he was closer to five, five eight, nine or five, <laughs> eight, <laughs> five eight, yeah. eight and uh-huh. a half, yeah. and you know, and when he measured over five ten, everybody went, oh, "Okay." Remember when we were worried about Joe Burrow's hand size? Would yes. it be nine? Would it be nine inches? Can he, he pick measure? it too? Right? Can yeah, he pick yeah, it? Hand size. And they both measured up, and everybody went, "Okay, that kind of goes away." That's the early line. The second part will be how they how they perform, what we hear about interviews, other things, because I think it's very clear that Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud are the top two quarterbacks in this draft. Will Levis, it's going to be interesting when he comes out of this combine how people continue to I feel thought, about him. I think him. he might jump Stroud, Charles. I, I don't know about that because I'm just I'm just telling you when I turn on that tape and watch the consistency factor in throwing the football is all in C.J. Stroud's oh, camp. Stroud's yeah. more accurate. There's yes. no doubt about it. But 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 Levis is going to get a Josh Allen bounce because anyone who's worried about actually throwing the football, the big guy playing. Remember years ago before Allen, we always said, and what you see in college is about what you get in the pros. Right. You don't get more accurate in right. the NFL because the DBs are better. Right. And Josh Allen jumped up to 70%. He's still the outlier. He is the outlier. He's he still the yeah. outlier. Mm-hmm. But guess what? If you like someone, you may say, well, he might be like Josh Allen. And the biggest one in that is going to be Anthony Richardson of Florida. That's going to be the one that if you're in love, because by the way, he is the single most gifted physically uh, physically quarterback in this draft, bar none. And he, that includes Will Levis. He's Cam Newton. It's no question. He's Cam he Newton. He is a monster, gorgeous. Have you guys seen him throw in person? I have not. I've, I've not. got to watch him throw in person last summer. The ball just comes off his hand, and you're just like, you know how you, know how you swoon when you're like, ooh. <laughs> That's what you do when that ball jumps off of his hand. But what's been the issue? Consistency, yeah, no accuracy, question. all those things. You watch, it, if you watch that Utah game, he's the first pick Utah, in the draft. If you Utah watch the next game, he's a fourth round. Right. He's a fifth it, round pick. That's a great point. And the bottom line on all that is we're not going to get the Coach Parcells quarterback formula anymore. <laughs> you can't. Because they're coming out early, right? Right. So you're not going to get the number Plus, of stars. Head coaches also don't have the ability and the luxury to be patient with those guys. They got to rush them they in. They got to rush them in and they got to go play them. It's a perfect point. And here's the thing. Remember who took the league by storm? Last year as a quarterback and came out of nowhere was Brock Purdy in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Perfect system to go to. But he also had 46 starts in college. That's right. That does not hurt. Yeah. That that kind of helps the Parcells rules. That, that, and that's where Coach <laughs> is going. How many times I got to tell you, if you listen to me, you'll learn something. And he's, he's right about that. His, his formula, I've gone and looked at it a lot. It holds up pretty darn well. You oh, know? it does. It, it holds up really well when you have guys had it. But we all know we're not likely to get as many of those people now as we used to. In maybe the past. with NILs more than maybe. That will help. Maybe, maybe. The, NIL, the NIL may keep some more people in school at least yeah. an extra year. I think you're right on that one. And that's kind of where I wanted to go next, Charles, because. Oh, you're going to give me an NIL? <laughs> no, I don't want to give you one of those. I can tell you right now, Tennessee, if I'd been there, Tennessee, when the NILs came in, yeah. I would have been paying them. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> they would have been like, Davis, I got to tell you, your NIL is you owe us. Okay, I got it. <laughs> How are we in terms of impact of NIL in terms of these draft classes, not just this year, but in the next year or two? Because we already know the draft classes that have come out the last two years have been impacted by the extra COVID year yes. that some of these guys super were COVID. able to get. Oh, yeah, this one too, year. by the way. We, we, we're still, what, yeah. one or two more years of super COVID mm-hmm. because they have to grant it for those classes. We can have six-year college We can have six-year, and, and they're much more willing to give you the extra year for medical so some of these kids will be seven years i mean so that we will have i think that you you've raised a really good point some of these kids are going to stay that extra year maybe two years if that nil is kicking in and you know something it might help the game it might help us in the game because we're be not getting ready. we're not getting the youngsters coming in. Almost like I'm talking about NBA, don't I? Yeah, remember really the NBA, does, right? 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 The NBA kids, but yeah. the high school kids and can they stay in school longer and all that other stuff? But I do think the NIL may serve that purpose. The flip side is it's gotta be figured out. You know, everybody's gotta make sure they understand their NILs because sometimes you get an NIL and it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And you have to go somewhere else. Okay, mm-hmm. Spencer Rattler may be the, the best example for me. One of the most highly touted kids coming out of school, goes to Oklahoma, is the starter there, loses his job to Caleb Williams, had a pretty good NIL at right. Oklahoma, ends up transferring to South Carolina. I don't think the NIL followed him from Oklahoma to South Carolina. I don't know if he got a new NIL at South Carolina. And by the way, so happy for that young man because he really played well down yeah, the stretch. Yeah, he had a nice year, yeah. Although he dinged my Tennessee Vols. But his last two games, mm-hmm. he took out Tennessee with a big game. He took out uh, Clemson with a big game. That's the Spencer Rattler they were hoping to see. But the NIL is a different animal if you don't play to the level that they're, pay- that they're putting it out there for you. Yeah, 100%. Top of the class, Charles. We know, uh, again, we'll see what happens with Carter, but let's yeah. just assume that gets smoothed out. It's Carter. The Alabama outside linebacker. Will, Will Robinson. Yeah, obviously, you know. Anderson. Anderson. Wait, Will Anderson. See, I always want to say Will Robinson. That's okay. I grew Robinson's up, that I, running back, by the way. <laughs> but but I, I grew up with Lost in Space. Yeah. There you go. Danger, <laughs> Will Danger. Robinson. Danger. Oh, by the way, want to hear some trivia? <laughs> sure, why not? Okay. That line was only said one time in all the episodes. Really? If all the episodes, Danger Once? Will Robinson was said one time. I thought it was every episode. <laughs> I was it's just reading. Like I was it. just reading this trivia recently. It was said one time in all the episodes of the whole thing, but it became the iconic. Wow! Line. All right. Anyway, moving okay. right along. Anyway, so I was going to ask. Oh, that's right. Will Anderson. So, okay, yeah. So you got Anderson. You have Carter at the top, right? Yep. What's the next tier, and how far does it go? Like, do you have Tyree Wilson up there with those guys? Do you have him a tier down? And then after him, you have all the corners. You have, yep. like, Skaronsky. How big is that next tier? So after you get out of that top five or six with the quarterbacks, are we looking at, like, a like a 15-deep group where it kind of doesn't matter where you're at? It's going to be interesting to see what the final number is. Um, there are a number of people in this in this business that we all know do this like we do mm-hmm. but some of them really do it and i respect the heck out of them. i believe it was matt miller that i was reading matt's i think matt's terrific i think dane brugler's terrific yeah i could go on all day about a number of people who are terrific so it'll be on friday show, so, so i apologize if, if i if i'm missing it I, could, I will be here for a while but i think matt just put out one where he said he's given 19 first round grades right now but it's a fluid list so we're not sure we'll get to 19. You might be right when it's all said and done. We might be closer to 15. I think McShay said 15, if yeah, I remember so, right. So, so, so Todd McShay, yeah. I respect the heck out of him. And by the way, with the Jalen Carter news, you remember a few weeks ago when he said they were off-field issues? Todd McShay said that. Oh, and boy. Me- and me- remember yeah. people freaked yeah. out and people jumped on Todd? Mm-hmm. I think Todd knew what he's talking about. 
Seems that way. So, so you think? So I guess to put it broadly, then at twenty-five, the Giants might have to draft somebody with a second-round grade, is what you're telling but me. But that happens every sure, of course year it does. in of course the it draft, does. and you're hoping that you're drafting somebody with a second round because that means you're drafting later in the draft, which means you had a good year. Right. Now, <laughs> now this quarterbacks class—I know that's not really what you want, but you want to be drafting later. The quarterbacks class, Charles. Look, there's no Oliver Luck. There's no Herbert. In this class, no matter how much you may like I'll, some of these I'll, guys, Oliver, very happy you said that because you said that ahead of Andrew. He's very happy. You, you know, Oliver. I'm showing my age, uh, but Oliver's happy. I'm he's, showing my age he, he, right now. When he get when Oliver Luck sees this tape, he's gonna send it to Andrew and go, "Told you, kid, see, I was better I'm, than I'm, you." I'm old enough to see him play. That's I the saw, problem. See, you and I saw Oliver. I Luck. know we did. We saw we saw Oliver Luck at West Virginia, who point, won a road scholarship. Point being, though, that yeah, I know you didn't. We know we know these guys. These quarterbacks will right. always be overdrafted. So if there's gonna be four, hey Paul, or by maybe the way, five. Don't if you how high? I know the Alabama kid's small. That dude can play the quarterback yeah. position. I, I, I understand. And, and, and depends high, on who. How high are we talking here? Listen, we could easily have. Okay, you got Young, Stroud, Levis. Who's the fourth? Richardson, right? Richardson. If Hooker didn't get hurt from Tennessee, right, he, we'd, he be have, we'd, we'd be arm wrestling right, right now. Right. right. Yeah, I agree. So out of that, we could easily have three in the top ten. Three in the top ten. We could have three in the top ten. Okay. I don't think we get four in the top ten. I think we get okay. three in the top ten. Richardson, someone's going to fall in love and take him because they don't want to risk someone else getting him. Right. And he may go higher than really what you're dictating. I don't think you draft him at this time to be your starter. You draft him to be your starter down the road because he just hasn't played enough for me, and I haven't seen the consistency. Now, will he be a better pro? Perhaps. If he gets the right quarterback guru, he evens out his footwork, all the other things you have to do. I was stunned he came out for football reasons, but I'm not sure he felt like that was the place for him with Billy Napier coming in after he played for Dan Mullen. It just it, Maybe that was part of what it was. I don't know. But look on the hoof, Anthony Richardson, no question, the best-looking quarterback in this draft, most impressive physical specimen, but not the best quarterback as we start the draft. Now mm -hmm. we'll see how it goes. Look, did any of you have Brock Purdy in the top of your draft? <laughs> <laughs> okay, and, and, and it's so funny how people want to come for you and say, how oh, come you didn't have Brock Purdy? No one had Brock Purdy. And that's not a knock against Brock Purdy. It's just what you saw Go back, watch everyone's evaluation. People revealing their evaluations. And really top people saw him in different places, different times. He wasn't that guy there for them. But at San Francisco, Kyle Shanahan's a terrific coach. The system is wonderful. Great people. C.J. Beathard looked viable in that offense, even when they weren't winning. Nick Mullins looked viable in that offense. This, this is why this is winning. an art and not Jimmy a science. Jimmy Grapple mm -hmm. looked viable is. in that system. Mm -hmm. There's a system any quarterback wants to get to. That's a great system to get to. By the way, let me ask you about a quarterback question, which is a little in reverse. Washington's talking about Ron Rivera saying that Howell's the leader going into opening day, or yeah. at least going into training camp. Do For you now. buy that, or is Washington a quarterback needy team? I buy it, but I think Washington's going to look for a veteran. A veteran. I think they're going to look for a veteran. They have to look be for tired of being on that carousel, though. Yes, man. but I'm not oh. saying a veteran to start. Yeah. I think they okay. really are investing in Sam Howell. Huh? Remember where Sam Howell was the year before the draft? We were talking about Sam Howell maybe being the top quarterback in the I draft. Know. 
and it wasn't big and physical and strong. And it wasn't nonsense. No, he was a good-looking kid, good thrower. But then he lost weapons. Remember, Deami Brown, uh, Daz Newsom, mm-hmm. the running backs, they were both running yep. backs, Javante mm-hmm. Williams and and, and uh, mm-hmm. Michael Carter. Yep, offensive line, couple guys were gone. He had to end up changing to become that extra runner. You remember how right. good a runner he no was doubt. last year there? Yeah. No doubt. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, it seemed to ding him and come draft time. He ends up going from what we think is going to be a first-round guy to a fifth-round guy, but his talent's better than fifth round. And if mm-hmm. they like him, I think they're going to, I think that's their intent. Someone incredible has got to fall in their lap to do it. I think that's their intent, but I do think they're going to want a veteran guy to be his backup. I mean, okay. I don't think that they want to go Taylor Heineke again for whatever reason. Mariota? Could be a possibility. You have to see how Marcus is coming off of the surgery. Um, he's one of my favorite people ever in the game of football. I don't know if you guys ever spent any time with Marcus Mariota. I have not. Mariota. Good dude. When he left at the end of last year and it said he left the team when he lost the job, none of that felt right. That didn't feel like the Marcus Mariota I know. I'd like to know the rest of the circumstances. But that's the the most buttoned down kid. I said it when I said it way back when. You know how fathers always say you want that kid to marry your daughter. Yeah. I always said I wanted Marcus Mariota to be my son. Wow. That's how I wow. felt about. Wow. All right. Final question, Charles. I want to get to the Giants real quick. Big off season ahead. Daniel Jones, Saquon, yeah. free agents. You yeah. Get to the draft. Twenty five. I'm not Just Joe. Give me your blueprint. For what this Giants offseason should look like from a big picture perspective before we say goodbye. Get Saquon, get Saquon signed because if you have to franchise tag him, the franchise tag for the running back is really low. Yeah, 10 and change. 10 and change. So maybe that's what you want to do. I'm not really sure. But I think that he is the heartbeat. He is the motor of that group. Daniel Jones, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to figure it out. I don't think that number that I'm hearing floated in the press is a number that interests the Giants. That's just me. I was hearing 45 million. If that's really the number, I'd be stunned if the Giants get anywhere close to that. But you know, not my money. That is that's their deal. They make things go, but you got to get some people outside. You know what Brian Dayball and his staff did this year to create a a, a playoff team without being able to really ring the bell on the outside. Because I always use that term because I got from Jerry Glanville, the old man in black. And he always, yep. used to, he always used to say, you run the ball to set a tone, give your identity and all, get your office an identity. And then you remember him, you go, but if you want to ring that bell, <laughs> you got to be able to throw the football. <laughs> and right now, that's not part of the gig. I mean, did you have a guy with 500 yards this year, receiver? Not wide. Uh, Richard James. Not Sling. Sling got the 500, I think. I think they both did. Yeah. See, the, see but look, barely. At us, look at us. We're like, yeah. yeah, that's not it. No, that's not it. You're that's right. That's not yeah. it. And, and, and it comes up in the key moments in the key games. And Brian Dable, well, way smarter than I am. But what he did this year, what Wink did on defense. Can it be a tight end it, instead of a receiver, Charles? It can be because these tight ends nowadays are just rocked up receivers. And last but not least, close game, close game, close game, close game, close game. You get a lot of credit for it, but it's a lot like turnovers and takeaways. If you're really big plus one year, hard to be really big plus the next year. It is. Can't guarantee and, it. And I'm looking at you, and I'm looking at Minnesota. And I was like, this year, those two were unbelievable yes. down the stretch. Can you count on that year in and year out? That's tough to do. It's really sure, hard to do. Great point. Charles, awesome stuff, my friend. Thanks a lot. Check Great him out on guys. NFL Network you, coverage all Remember, weekend. Danger awesome. Will Robinson, one time. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll have Charles on the Giants huddle later on in the offseason. We'll be back with more Big Blue Kickoff Live right after this. All right, we're back here at the NFL Combine in Indianapolis. John Schmelk, Paul Dottino with you. Our final segment of the show, we're joined by 
Art Stapleton, who covers the Giants for the record. I'm going to try to take your calls with him. So we got about 10 to 12 minutes with Art. So maybe a little bit more if you get some calls in here. So get in at 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. Pearson's back in the shop. He will make sure uh, we get everything up here and uh, ready to go here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Art, uh, let's start here. Uh, you had a chance to monitor the the cornerback media availabilities today, which could be significant for the Giants. Uh, Paul and I were doing some pre-records at that time, so we were not out there. Give us a feel uh, for this rather deep cornerback class where you could even see maybe four, five, six guys off the board before the Giants even select. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. You know, obviously, thanks, guys, for for doing this. It's always fun to come on with you guys. Um, you know, I think what's funny is, as I told you guys earlier off air, is, you know, everybody who has length wants to be Richard Sherman. You know, who do you remind, who reminds you, you know, what guy reminds you of yourself? Yeah. Uh, Richard Sherman. Uh, the guys who are more physical who play inside want to be Jalen Ramsey. Yes. You know, and then obviously the big comparison is Sauce Gardner from last year. The idea, um, I, you know, there were a couple guys, well, your interceptions really are down. And they're like, well, it's, you know, remember last year, Sauce, no one threw at Sauce. So, you know, I can be Sauce. Um, I thought Joey Porter came off as kind of the alpha of the room. Uh, obviously, he's got the, the legacy with his father, a longtime Steeler mm-hmm. linebacker. Uh, so he talked a lot about, you know, growing up on the fields and, with the Steelers and, and the practice fields and running routes uh, with Antonio Brown, which I thought was interesting. He seemed a little mild-mannered for Joey Porter's kid, though. He did. You know what he said? He actually said, I'm my dad on the field, but I'm my mom off the field. He said, I'm more reserved off the field, and I like to smile. And some of the Pittsburgh guys, the reporters said, you smile an awful lot to actually be considered Joey Porter Jr. because Joey Porter never smiled. And what's the notation I wrote? Clark Kent. Yes, it, and it really was. And, you know, he was out there and, you know, it, it was it was, you know, kind of funny because you know what the stories are for some of these guys. Um, you know, but the, the pool is, the talent pool is so deep that I felt like it was condensed this morning. There were guys that I couldn't go over to listen to. I wanted to hear... Uh, Devin Witherspoon from Illinois. You know, the Illinois guys are pretty impressive, mm-hmm. uh, both corner and safety. Yeah, Sidney Brown was great. Sidney Brown was great. I heard him. Uh, I wanted to go over to see Cam Smith. I saw him from the side from South Carolina. A little small. I, I thought he was smaller than, than what I anticipated. I was there for Keely Ringo from Georgia. That was interesting. He talked about his speed. And the only thing faster than his speed on the field is the way he talked. I can't imagine. I feel whoever does the transcripts for the Giants, if Keely Ringo ends up getting selected and comes here, I would not want to put my hand, and I'm saying that to the future Giants PR interns, <laughs> you do not want the short straw. Fast talker? To, oh, man. If he's fast on the field, I think they said he hit uh, 24 miles per hour, uh, according to Next Gen Stats, for a, a return this year. He talks 50 miles an hour at mm. the podium. Wow. That's pretty impressive. Yep. All right, so Art, let's get the giant specific stuff again. You guys want to get it on the phones? We can do that at 201-939-4513. Otherwise, we'll take some uh, calls with Art. You need a little closer to the mic for me a little bit, Art? I yeah. appreciate that. Thank no you very problem. much. All right, uh, boy, all the talk this year, this week with the Giants is Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones. Uh, what do you think is going to happen with Daniel Jones? What are you hearing? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, um, you know, I, I got, a, got, a, got a source named Joe Shane who, who has basically spent the last – 
72 hours saying that Daniel Jones will be the Giants quarterback in 2023. Well, what's so, that going to look like, Art? You know, I, I think I think ultimately at the 11th hour, I think they'll push for a long-term agreement, and I do think they will get a long-term agreement. That, that's my gut right now. How high do you think they'll have to go? Um, you know, I think 37, 38 a year will probably need to get it done. You look at the guarantees. I mean, here's here's the deal, guys. We all know, and, and that's why Joe is being so forthright. And then also opinion. length is important, too, also, by the way, in that, and when you exactly. can get out of it, all that sort of stuff. You know, but I think, I think the Giants are being forthright by saying it publicly is the idea that, look, we're giving you the franchise tag on Tuesday if you don't accept mm-hmm. the long-term deal. So you're getting 32.4 guaranteed, $32.4 million guaranteed for 2023. You're going to turn down a contract and give up 70 more million guaranteed if it's a long-term deal and risk walking that tightrope that you wrote just you luckily made it through last year without getting an injury. I, I think... I think when push comes to shove, I think, um, you know, the Giants hold the hammer here, and I think they're going to use that franchise tag to their advantage. Uh, I don't think they're – I think they would rather not use the franchise tag. Of course. But, uh, clearly. But I don't – I think Joe Shane, he talked contingencies last year. I think they'll have contingencies this year, and I don't think they're afraid to use the tag because they also know it could be a placeholder for the rest of the summer and – you know, when they when it gets to a point, I just don't see Daniel Jones holding out uh, for a certain amount of money off of what, you know, the first four years of his career has been. Paul, just to follow up real quick, I feel, though, if the deal doesn't get done quickly, the Giants are going to come with their best offer now to avoid the tag, right? I mean, it doesn't really help to reduce his first-year cap hit in July or June because there's no one left in the fridge and market to spend the money on, right? So I would imagine whatever the Giants' best offer is going to be is probably going to come before the franchise tag deadline or at least before the start of free agency because, once again, once guys start signing and there's nowhere to spend that money, Mm -hmm. why would you then increase your offer later because it's not really then helping you, is it? Well, yeah, I mean, theory. I just don't know. I, I don't know what Joe Shane has planned for free agency with that money that he's going to have. I think he wants the flexibility, you know, to have that money there if they need to make moves. You know, he made a big point of saying last year during the regular season, you know, he couldn't even make a move if he wanted to make a move. They, right. they were kind of forced to do what they did on the waiver wire. And, you know, they hit a lot of, you know, credit to the personnel department for all the hits that they had. Um, you know, look, I, I think the, the entire idea of what Daniel Jones wants, you know, the number sounds outrageous and there's so many, so much focus on the number. But I made the point in saying, I have no problem with Daniel Jones and his representatives or his inner circle saying that he wants a, a contract that Kyler Murray got. Daniel Jones is the quarterback with the arrow going up. Kyler Murray is not. So if I'm making a, a commitment to a quarterback, I'm making a commitment to Daniel Jones and not Kyler Murray. That being said, the Giants don't have to compensate for a bad contract that Arizona gave him last year. Right. And that's that works the both difference. ways. Yeah, for sure. That's the difference. The, the other part of this equation, Art, when we talk about the Giants' numbers, is that Leonard Williams is on the cap for $32 million this year. Yep. He's made it clear that he's willing to work with that number. Joe Shane is like, yeah, great. I heard about <laughs> yeah. that. Thanks for helping me out with that conversation. But in all honesty, Williams 
he wants to play with Dexter Lawrence. He's going to get an extension, and as part of that extension, they're going to be able to get that number down a pretty big size, and yeah. that'll, that'll help. I would imagine, you know, Joe Shane had a lot of fun with that, the idea off the podium the other day, even in his postseason press conference, the idea that Leonard used the, way, used the words pay cut. He's like, oh, well, I heard Leonard, you know, you guys did a good job of doing the job for me. I think that was an example of a player not really getting into the details of the difference between a pay cut and a restructure. Right. Because a restructure and ripping up the contract is a lot different than uh, a pay cut, where which is what some of the players had to take last year to stay. Uh, that also part with Leonard. It's Leonard and Dexter, and no disrespect to anybody else. Joe Shane made a big point the other day to talk about how defensive line is a premier position. Mm-hmm. So to me, that that was really one of those things that stuck with me on Monday uh, on Tuesday when Joe talked was the idea that you want to talk about all these other positions. Giants are sitting there at twenty five. If one of these defensive linemen spring free, that you think you can play with Dexter and Leonard. Uh, it would not shock me at all to see a defensive lineman in that spot uh, just because they identified it as a premium position. And Shane made the point, heard you guys earlier with Jim Nagy, which was a great interview. Um, he made the point the last couple of years, the interior guys who have come out in the draft have not produced to the level that they've expected. So that pool is getting shallower and shallower. And what happens now is the contracts will go up and up and up. Because you have less guys. So you look like a Dexter Lawrence. They look like geniuses for picking up the uh, 50-year option to pay him around $10 million this mm-hmm. year. But you can bet that they are looking to get him that contract extension sooner rather than later. Because if you do it six months from now, you may be looking at you know $25 million a year for a defensive lineman like that, just the way the market's Well, And that's one of the reasons why I think they'll extend Leonard probably another two years. Yep because they don't want to lose him. Joe Shane said very succinctly, he's a very good player. And when, he, when him or Dexter weren't on the field last year, that made it, a big it difference. did not go well. So yeah. 100% with you on that. And then I guess the other question you have to ask then to Art, and you know, Joe, I'm not going to say Joe poo-pooed this, but you do have to do work here on the offensive side of the ball to see how much better Daniel can be if there's better pieces around him. And yeah. whether that's interior offensive line, whether that's wide receiver, whether that's tight end, take your pick. What do you think your what do you think the Giants blueprint is going to be? What would your blueprint be for how they're going to attack getting more around Daniel this year so he can, you know, maybe show everyone that yeah, I should be a forty five million dollar right. quarterback. Well, if if he has the franchise tag, then it's one thing, but if he has his if he has his uh long term extension, then it's like, well, he should be a forty five million dollar contract, yeah. but you signed at thirty seven, so but again, you it want, is what but, it is. But again, if he but does, yeah, then, right. then you want him to play to that level, you're right? Because right. that's the money you're, you're giving right. him. I still think that they'll they'll lean on their personnel department, which they showed their scouting was in lockstep with the coaching staff last year when they were able to bring in guys that matched up and they got the most out of everybody they brought in. Um, so I can see them adding a wide receiver, maybe the second level of free agency market. You know, I don't think shopping at the top of the wide receiver market this year in free agency Bad to news. me is fool yeah it's fool's gold Bad news. um and i do think that this wide receiver pool this year in the draft is deep enough where you know you have four picks and right you have two in the third you're anticipating some other comps maybe you trade up you know joe traded back last year 
uh, in the second round that allowed the Jets to get Brees Hall. Maybe the Giants make a similar move in the second round to move up and get a skill guy that they would like to see. But I thought... And frankly, Art, I'll throw this out there too. We talked yep. to somebody yesterday that said between picks... You know, 15 and 40, I think the number was we were given, right, Paul? There isn't a whole much of a difference. Maybe move back from 25 and get an extra pick that way. Yeah, that's true, too. And I think, you know, look, we haven't even mentioned Saquon. And and that is the biggest (laughs) position. Because not to move to what what he said about Saquon, but in general about his draft board. And I thought this was interesting. The Giants had their draft, their free agent meetings, and, and obviously, and they have kind of a loose idea of where their board is. And he said that they will give guys an extra bump in February that, you know, they, they can see, okay, if we don't sign this guy, we need to have that bump on our board. But when they finalize in April, if they've made moves and they've already noticed that, okay, well, we thought it was a, a seven as a need and now it's down to like a five because we signed somebody, then they will take that bump off and move that guy down the board a little bit. They won't do the opposite. They won't say all of a sudden we need a need, Mm -hmm. so we're going to change their grade. But they'll take that bump away from February, knowing that now they they were able to sign Saquon. So there may be some running backs on their board where they kind of give bumps. Okay, what if we don't have Saquon? And then if Saquon is back, then they kind of bump guys down. All of us have been in the locker room on a daily basis during the season and talked to Saquon Barkley. We, we think we've got a pretty good gauge on him. My perception is that Barkley does want to be here. And I thought his raw emotion in front of his locker, uh, in locker clean-out day, baggy day, if you will, after the Giants were knocked out of the playoffs, and he said, I don't have to set the market. I want to be here. I want to make this work. I understand, you know, I've had some injuries, but I've also produced pretty well. It seemed to me, now that was away from his agent, of course, but it seemed to me that this was a guy who reasonably wants to make this thing work without having to deal with the tag or without having to go collect other phone calls from other teams. You know, I, I believe that. I believe in his heart of hearts, Saquon doesn't want to go anywhere. He wants to be here. He believes in the legacy of New York. You know, even though his father and he grew up as Jets fans, they're Giants now. You know, they Mm -hmm. they made the switch. Um, But you guys know, and, uh, you know, I'll give credit to to a colleague and competition. You know, Paul Schwartz wrote a good story in New York Post about OCU Manura and Michael Strahan and the negotiations that they had throughout their careers. There were times where both, OC especially, vowed that he would never accept less to play with the Giants. Right. Right. And now he's he's still a Giants legend and whatever went down went down. But he, he, you know, ended up coming back when he needed to. Justin Tuck, when he left, he wanted to stay a Giant. He didn't want to go to Oakland, Mm -hmm. but he 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 was offered a contract that was double what the Giants offered him. So I think Saquon wants to be here. I, I, I think if Daniel gets a long term deal, I've always thought that tagging Saquon is the best way to go, but I don't know if Saquon will love that. So you can use the tag. He to won't kinda, sit out though. If he gets a I, tag, I don't think he's he would going either, to play. But he's, he's not, not going to be. Well, happy. he might play, but he might not be he in the building be until August and that, too. It's again, it, it's there's a lot of leverage that can be done personally to both Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley because of who they are as players and what they've meant to this franchise. So if you wanted to play a little dirty, you could. You could force them to show us, you know, we want to see how committed you are to be here. Now, I'm not saying Joe will do that. 
Um, but I think Joe, Joe Shane has been very clear. They want both players back. They're cautiously optimistic they can get both back. But I think that's negotiating uh, you know, both ways without getting into too many details. I think ultimately they've made it clear that Daniel will be back. I think they've made it clear that they would like Saquon back at their price. And look, this is the week where teams, we all know, teams will let it be known what they're willing to play, pay guys when they hit the market. And if a team makes it known to Saquon's team that, look, if you hit the market, we'll give you 17 a year or 16 a year because we have the money to burn. A team like Chicago, we have the money to burn. We think we can sell you as part of our, you know, Justin Fields and Saquon Barkley. And, you know, I can't fault Saquon for wanting to take that money if he would. I don't know if that pull of if the Giants say, and I don't know this, I don't know if the line in the sand, which is what Joe said the other day, for all players, not just Saquon, if his line in the sand is 12, I don't know how seriously Saquon will take that as a personal affront or will he say, hey, 12's good by me. I'm here. Give me four years and, you know, guarantee a lot of my money and, and let's go. I, I think if they would have done that, I think he probably would be signed already. I, I don't think that's – I don't I don't know. I, I, I think a lot of what happens <laughs> with – you know, I mean, I know you guys are talking about this. I know it's uncertain, but <laughs> – That's why my the gut soap tells opera me, continues. My gut, tells, my gut tells me is that – they're going to do everything they can to make sure Daniel Jones is a giant. They want Saquon Barkley mm-hmm. to desperately be a giant this year because they know as constituted, they're not a, as good of an offense without Saquon. They have a lot more work to do if Saquon is not here. Yeah, but, they need weapons. But by the same token, if I watch Joe Shane and how he handled last year, I do not believe he will compromise 24, 25, and 26 for the sake of having Saquon here just to – make everybody feel better. I don't think he'll do that. Right. I think he'll he'll then bring in a, a running back that bring in a running back that is more cost effective and as you guys said with Jim Nagy, look, the pool of running backs in this draft this year, there it's loaded. Now it doesn't guarantee anything, but you take a running back now in the third round, fourth round, complement him with a with a free agent and maybe you have more money to spend to make sure you get Dexter Lawrence, and then you start thinking about Andrew Thomas and Xavier McKinney and guys moving forward. So the Saquon question is the one that I don't think we have a true answer to. We have the Daniel answer. It's just a matter of what the contract is going to be. Daniel will be here. I don't know if Saquon will be here, and that's weird to say on March 2nd that I'm not sure if Saquon Barkley, arguably the team's best player, uh, would be in the uniform uh, a month from now. Okay, time is short, but I want to get a quick thumbnail from you on two lesser priority free agents, but guys who the fans really love. Julian Love and Nick Gates, who are both revered by Giants fans for what they brought to this organization. Yep. But again, there's only so many dollars in the bank. I go to Gates. I think, I think there's a good chance that Nick Gates and John Feliciano are both back. Both, huh? Both back. Mm. I think they'll both be back on economical contracts. I think they both want to be here, um, and and then we'll see. Do they we'll, try to upgrade that spot through the draft? I then, think do they you probably. Think? I think they first. They probably hope that they have some upgrades with guys that may have gotten injured last year. May you know what what happens with the Zudu? Is he back right away? You know, I think they they have some questions on their 
offensive line. You know, Joe made the point the other day of saying, I came here last year at the combine. We had five healthy offensive linemen on the roster. Now we have 14. Mm -hmm. So they made a concerted effort last year. So I do think that if Gates wants to be back and he's willing to not look to go take the best deal he can get on the, on the market, I think he will be, will be back. I think Julian Love is interesting because I think, um, look, his representation is Drew Rosenhaus. Drew takes care of his clients. Mm -hmm. Drew does not necessarily take care of his clients' teams. You know, Drew's going to get Drew. That's why you're with Drew. He's going to get you the best deal. Uh, and I think you have to see how the safety market shapes up. And there may be a lot more guys that hit free agency. Uh, John Johnson, it was reported the other day that he's going to be cut on the first league day, uh, first day of the league year. So um, I think Julian Love wants to be here. I think he speaks like a giant when you hear interviews mm -hmm. as vocal as he's been about the Eagles and Sirianni. Great and all organization that stuff. guy. No, absolutely. But you know what? I do think there is part, and Julian even said this, he feels like he's worth something. He wants to be treated like he's worth something, that he's not just that extra part, that, that uh, duct tape. That right, they, you know, that was kind of a slight against Julian Love. It was meant to be a compliment, mm -hmm. but when the previous regime called him duct tape and said, "Well, if we have a hole, we can just put duct tape on it," meaning Julian Love can just fill that hole, um, I think Julian believes that he is worth more than that, and he showed that value, and I think he wants to be treated as such. So, like you said, Paul, there are these are secondary moves that are important. Um, I. If I had a guess right now, I'd say Julian Love gets a better contract elsewhere, probably goes somewhere else. They replace him in the draft. They see what Dane Belton can do with Xavier McKinney at and safety. They got Pinnock too. And Jason Pinnock showed a lot last year. Yes, mm -hmm. absolutely. Um, and I do think Nick Gates will be back. And they certainly made it seem like John Feliciano will be back if he wants to be. And that's not assigning starting jobs to anyone, um, but these guys will be part of the rotation and then see how they can upgrade. Uh, you know, through the draft and through the, the secondary markets and free agents. Just a quick 10-second follow-up on Julian. Both Brad Spielberger, who does the salary cap stuff for Pro Football Focus, and I think when we might get our follow-on, that's the Giants huddle today, by the mm -hmm. way. Go check that out, folks. Um, they've had his contract projection in the 6 to $7 million a year area. I think if it's there, he's probably back, right? I would agree. Mm -hmm. I would agree. I think six or seven, that's it. I think if there's a team that somehow gets in the double you know, digits, it gets dicey, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, and look, even nine might, might I, be too I rich. I mean, I give, like I said, I give all respect to, to Drew Rosenhaus. We've uh -huh. seen his work in this league. He, he might be able to go to a team and get $9 million yeah. a year. And for by Julian the way, Love. good for Julian. He deserves yeah. it. He's a good player. Yeah. I think he was the second safety in the NFL this year in terms of tackles, total tackles. Yeah. He was right up and there. he played every game right too, there. right? He, he played every game. Healthy. And he's versatile. Just off the top of my head, he won, won two games for the Giants. The interception against Baltimore, right? And mm -hmm. he had the sack of Baker Mayfield that mm -hmm. closed that game out mm -hmm. against Carolina. Yeah. And then he had the recovery in Jacksonville when Xavier uh, punched right. the ball free. Right. From ATN in the end zone. So. Oh, and by the way, what was he, he had the tackle, too, at the end of the Washington game near the goal line. Wasn't Julian in on that tackle, too, to stop him from going into the end zone, if I, I recall? I don't remember. Which one, the first one or the second one? I don't remember. Both I don't remember which game it was. Crazy. The one where the guy caught it at like the two yard line on the final drive, and he and they and they pushed him away from the goal line. I don't remember that. Yeah. Which game? Whatever it is. But um, yes, it was what that was. Oh, that was Jacksonville. No, oh, see, I'm remembering it correctly. Yeah, there, there were three guys in on that. It was that Jacksonville. Last tackle My bad. Jacksonville. Line. Sorry about that. 
Anyway, my brain's fried. I've been in need for too long. Too, <laughs> too many shrimp cocktail. Um, <laughs> all right, good stuff, my man. All right, fellas. Thank you. All Appreciate right, all right, it. be good. And by the way, I mentioned Thanks, that, man. folks, go check out the Giant Subtle podcast. We have a couple good ones up there already. Mike Garofalo dropped today. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah dropped on Tuesday. Make sure you go check that out. Uh, good episodes coming throughout the weekend of the Giant Subtle podcast as well. And go subscribe to the Draft Season podcast with Tony, Pauline, and I as well. Big shows coming tomorrow from Indy on Friday. We'll have uh, Mike Tannenbaum, former uh, NFL general manager now with ESPN, the 33rd team. Uh, we have Joel Corey, former NFL agent, Dane Brugler, and Tony Pauline on the draft. Make sure you come check that out on tomorrow's Big Blue Kickoff Live at 1230 tomorrow on Giants.com and the Giants will Black. For Paul Dottino, I'm John Schmalk. Thank you to Art Stapleton again. We'll see you tomorrow for another episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.